This is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast Podcast. It's Friday, April 21st, 2023, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior, America! Steak for breakfast! So stand by! This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Mm. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again. It can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off. The Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family are celebrating a big old clearance sale down at MyPillow. When you enter promo code STEAK at checkout, you're going to get the biggest savings possible. For instance... MyPillow version 2.0, buy one, get one free. Big savings on things like MyPillow dog beds, the Air Lindells, and Giza Dream Everything. If you're more of a morning person, they've launched My Coffee. It's available in the bean, the bag, and the pod. You get a promo code steak here, you're getting 25% off your order, 50% off when you make it a monthly subscription. MyPillow.com forward slash steak for anything sleep related. If you want the coffee, MyStore.com forward slash steak, or you can always talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1 800 658 8045. The top tier of ear gear and the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment specializing in headphones can only be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, lying under oath to Congress, get those ear needs taken care of and done upright. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Instagram, find them on Facebook. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast. There you'll find a link to it. It'll take you to all our social medias, the website, our newest Substack, Telegram channel, and more. On that note, to everyone joining us today from the Republican High Command, Instagram, Discord, and now via our verified accounts on Twitter, Getter, and True Social, welcome Friday edition Steak for Breakfast podcast, episode 232. I'm Roan. Noah's here. Yo. Alan Jacoby's going to be sitting third chair today. Guys, we got a huge show. Wesley Hunt's going to be here. Brendan Dilley's going to be here. Liz Harrington's going to be here. Got a ton of news to break down. So let's just jump right into it. And welcome to the show, everybody. As I mentioned, this is our big Friday edition of the show. Noah's here with me. Alan sitting third chair. Uh, is, are you going Alan or Adam today? Uh, whatever you guys want to call me. It, both might slip out. So whatever it is. Happy Freedom Friday, boys. There you go. Happy Friday to everybody listening. And uh, if you're a first-time listener, welcome to the show. If you're a long-time listener, of course, welcome back. So we just played a little bit of it on our Tuesday edition of the show. Alejandro Mayorkas got dunked on all week uh, up on Capitol Hill. First by the Senate, then by the House. Nobody was really letting him talk about uh, the data and um, uh, the stuff. But I, I don't have that data. Yeah, it was a lot of really fiery, but mostly peaceful back and forths. And uh, we've been saying it for a long time. We're going to get into later while another highly appointed official might be joining him. But if there's going to be a sacrificial lamb in the Biden administration, 
for everyone that deserves it, from Janet Yellen and Pete Buttigieg all the way down to Merrick Garland and Alejandro Mayorkas. We feel like Alejandro Mayorkas would be the first one to go just because of the size of the disaster on the U.S. southern border. And I still think the American public's getting 10 to 15, maybe 20 at the most percent of what it really looks like down there, what those detention centers really look like down there, what the piles of dead bodies and raped women and children down there look like. And a lot of it was highlighted throughout the course of these oversight hearings. So we all have to remember not too long ago, the House took their show on the road, went down to Texas, and had Border Patrol Chief Ortiz in where he said, that he could confirm there was no operation control on the U.S. southern border, and they did not know all of the methodology that the cartels use to network their human trafficking and drug trafficking in the United States. They don't even know about the wristbands? He was also asked about impeaching right. Mayorkas, and he said he didn't feel like he had uh, reached that level of not being able to do his job. But when your job is to have operational control and combat the cartels on the border, and the chief of the Border Patrol is saying that you have neither – the other shoe has to drop at some point. What's up, Alan? How does how does Secretary Mayorkas not know about the price list of children at the border? How does he not know? Adamantly denied it. Uh, well, uh, the, the 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 way that you can um, uh, avoid knowing about these things is to um, I I actually wear uh, a blindfold <laughs> and um, earplugs. Yeah, I want to know how many wristbands. He has on his bedstand. Well, that's disgusting. That's a, ooh, that's it a, really is. As it was really a lot is. of his testimony, so that's a good lead-in. Let's hear <laughs> the first clip. Much. <laughs> Not a single Democrat came to the hearing that we had in McAllen, Texas, and Chief Ortiz said that the border is not secured. Do you disagree with Chief Ortiz? Congressman, uh, let me uh, return to what you said. Accountability is brought in the oh, court of law. Mr. Mayor has oh, delivered accountability oh, 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 for 12 oh, oh. years. Mr. Mayor Chris, do you disagree with the head Border Patrol agent when he said that our border is not secure? Congressman, I have testified to that issue. So you do disagree with him? You disagree with your chief of Border Patrol? I respectfully do in that regard. You do. Mm, wow, he, he answered something. Give, the, wow. give that guy a fucking round of applause. Is it safe to say that Alejandro Mayorkas lied under oath uh, yes, because we yes. don't have operational control and, and probably never did since Joe Biden took over and, and just erased every single Trump-era policy regarding this? Repeatedly lied. Yeah. Repeatedly. Repeatedly lied. And, and what happens to Chief Ortiz now that his boss disagrees with him and put him on the spot like that? Like, does he get reprimanded? Will he get replaced? Like, how would that even, you know— to take like a smaller organization like the New York City Police Department, if the chief of department who's appointed by the commissioner and they, they butt heads, the commissioner is like, well, you're out of a job now. I'm going to find someone that toes the line and agrees with me. What happens at that level? That's pretty much the case. But just optically looking to fire somebody based off of an act of defiance when morale is so low amongst the troops on the ground. I don't Horrible know. Optics. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what that would do. Um, right. That that was only the start of it, though. We're we're, we're going to keep it in the Senate here and, and hear one of the more uh, common clips that you guys saw going around this week. As Josh Hawley, as we all know, has absolutely had it with Alejandro Mayorkas and his lack of care for his job. Let's hear the senator from Missouri. What we do is we enforce the law. But let me just say this. <laughs> You're it not. Is, it is stunning to me, stunning to hear you say 
that the prior administration reunited children with their parents. Oh, I see. When so this fact, is their fault? When in so fact... So you're not going to take any responsibility for the indentured servitude and exploitation of children that is happening on your watch. A moment ago, you were crowing about the fact that you treated children so well, and yet we find tens of thousands of children who are forced to work as slaves because of your policies, and you turn around and blame a prior administration. Mr. Secretary, this is par for the course for you. You do it every time you appear before this committee. You do it every time you appear before Congress. I, for one, am sick and tired of it, and thousands of children are in physical danger. Danger because of what you are doing. You should have resigned long ago, and if you cannot change course, you should be removed from office. Thank you. Yep. Mm. Not wrong. And you're paying for children's exploitation. Yeah. We're paying for the for the exploitation of children. All three of us, we are paying for it. Everyone out there listening, we are paying for this. And you know, there's a tweet going around this week. It's kind of gotten viral. I've seen it come through my timeline a couple instances on Twitter. Right? I've seen uh, Congresswoman Monica De La Cruz share it. Also, Congresswoman Anna Paulina Luna shared as well about a story of a, of a young girl. I believe she's under the age of ten, and you know, they're saying like there was sixty some odd samples of dna on her body Uh, jesus christ but here's the thing for every one of those viral tweets you guys have to understand the number that they're kind of firm on which is like seven plus ish million people coming in with the 1.5 ish million getaways in the last two and a half years if there's a viral tweet going around about this nine or ten year old girl just imagine how many and and this is based off the number of millions of people who have come in Tens of thousands of women and children who have experienced the same, if not worse, experience in making these treks that the Biden administration has basically invited them to do. It's a fact. I mean, you know, our good friend Natalie Denise, who does extensive coverage down at the border, and she was down there videoing the rape trees where they were hanging underwear and bras of young girls and women. So that was the area where they were being trafficked and, and Project Veritas when when they were actually a, a decent organization. Oh, and James O'Keefe uncovered all of the supposed safe houses that the uh, federal government was financing to bring these migrant children to. And you would have a 16 year old girl in a house full of men and they were being sold and used and raped and exploited. Then again, on our dime. I mean, come yeah. on. And, you know, Tom Holman said there's thousands of ice bed facilities out there uh, with state-of-the-art medical, uh, you know, living quarters, access to lawyers and legal, et cetera, just empty because we're not detaining groups. We're not, you know, splitting up families. And it's like if any minor comes into the United States and they have a sponsor, whether it's a charity group, a religious organization, and they vouch that they're going to take care of this kid. They have no idea where they're going after that. And it it is. And nor do they care, it seems like. They just don't. And, you know, it, it, it's one of the biggest crises that our country has ever seen in regards to, you know, the exploitation of children, especially ones that have no rights in this country whatsoever. So we're going to wrap it up in the Senate here and, and take it down to the House. But before we do, we're going to hear Kansas Senator Roger Marshall who asked to bring a resolution to the floor of a vote of no confidence in the, in the Homeland Secretary Chief 
and uh, maybe initiating the actual process as we're heading into an election cycle. And listen, a lot of these Democrats who say there are no vote on impeaching Mayorkas, which would, I think, be the first cabinet member impeached in the history of since the cabinet's basically expanded to include some of these other agencies, might be wanting to get on board if they don't want these uh, opposition commercials in their districts and in their states throughout the course of the 2024 cycle. But let's hear uh, Senator Marshall. The Secure Fence Act mandated that the Secretary of DHS, that would be you, achieve operational control of our borders. Mr. Secretary, our borders are not under control. Mr. Secretary, you are derelict in your duties. I would be derelict to not do something about this. And that's why I have a draft resolution here that I intend to introduce in the coming days that would require the Senate to take a vote of no confidence on Secretary Mayorkas. As I've stated on the record before, I stand at the ready to receive articles of impeachment from the House and conduct an impeachment trial in this body. But in the meantime, I think the Senate must show our colleagues in the House that we've had enough of the failures from the Department of Homeland Security and believe that the Secretary is not fit to faithfully carry out the duties of his office. I would like to insert this into the record, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, and I yield back. So, you know, you, you get the vote of no confidence in the Senate, which might encourage some other members in the House who are, and I'm really bad pun, you probably want to garrison me, mm. on the fence about impeachment. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but yeah, You know, Rowan, not to interrupt you, but you just ahead. said something beautifully before about we, we've never had, as far as I can remember ever, a cabinet member impeached and removed cabinet member unelected bureaucrats not accountable to we the people the voters we vote for their bosses who appoint them and the people that confirm them and i think again there are quite a few members of 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 the cabinet that should be removed but the number one is mayorkas and we need a cabinet member to be impeached and removed the american people need it to show the american people the senate and the house that they're serious about holding these people accountable. Again, bureaucrats, unelected bureaucrats that are not accountable to we the people because these th- these people are making policy. They're crafting policy. They're yep. pressuring uh, their, their policies and they're not elected. And we 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 really need a cabinet member to be impeached and removed. You know, we're setting so many first time precedences in the in the Biden administration. We're rating the home of the last sitting president and who's the number one political candidate that's challenging the current sitting one. We're indicting them um, and, you know, targeting all of his voter base, having the president of the United States disenfranchise him with nasty rhetoric every time he goes to the podium to talk about everything from his hairy legs and where he shit his pants all the way down to babbling about the economy and, and whatever he's doing in Ireland last week. Maybe Alan's right. We should set that precedent and uh, have the first cabinet member impeached. And, and and maybe it'll get the ball rolling for a couple more because there are several in this administration, to say the least, that are very deserving. Uh, guys, no matter where you're listening to the show today, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, anywhere, make sure you're subscribed to the show. Helps out our algorithms as a suggestion when you open up your apps. In addition, cross social medias, Twitter, Getter, True Social, and Instagram. Follow us, hit the notification bell. Then every time something important or relevant to the show drops, it'll be delivered directly to you. So I want to segue to the House now. They had uh, sloppy seconds with Mayorkas. Mm. Uh, they fixed his mic a little bit, 
but it, it still was kind of given a little bit of feedback as well. Uh, Congressman Bishop was talking about scoreboards and the job that Alejandro Mayorkas was doing. Let's hear him. Have there. You're asking for a 342% increase in the funding for combating child exploitation. You want to know why that is? Let me tell you, because you won't tell me candidly. The reason is that your policies have led to 345,000 unaccompanied children entering this country, which now the New York Times in multiple articles has, re has revealed what, has led, what that's led to in the quality of their lives. You apparently believe this to be a game, Mr. Mayorkas. I think that's why all the acrimonious interchanges that happen over and over. Even, you know, the last time that I asked you whether you maintain that we have operational control back in November, and you said yes, and we're trying to make it, and we're trying to do more every day. They played that on 60 Minutes. And let me tell you this. It wasn't because 60 Minutes is a fan of mine. Not really relevant to asking for funding for exploited children because they've lost so many children that have been exploited. But I tell you what, when it comes to this whole thing with the kids, I really think there's a lot of people in the mainstream media and print press who are missing this narrative, who aren't really getting it out there to the full. This is, this is like a, something that could potentially be ran on a 24 seven basis. Oh yeah. And you don't just have to do it with like the drive by hit lines. Like, Joe Biden has the border open and Alejandro Mayorkas is inviting all these people up here and they're just getting released into the country. You could get really down into the specifics. Not only the fact that women and children are being trafficked and sexually abused and then serve or I'm sorry, sold into slavery. Mm -hmm. But the fact of the matter is, is that some of these fake family units that so many people, Tom Homan, Jorge Ventura, for examples, have come on our show and told us about where, you know, an extremely young minor girl will come up with some random guy. And, and after, I guess, whatever kind of questioning they do down there, we'll find out they have no relation whatsoever. And, and they're posing as a family unit and eventually are going to be released together into the United States. That's horrifying. And, and, and we're just not seeing the coverage in the mainstream media, the legacy media, the print press that I think a crisis of this magnitude deserves. It's a little and late, a, but I'm glad our, our Congress is finally getting to it. Alan, what do you want to add to that? It was like 345,000 children. Okay. Look at that number, 345,000 children. What I'd love to hear from some of these House members is hard questions like, you know, out of those 345,000 children, statistic reported how many of those children were raped or tortured or sexually assaulted that were actually reported where they would be statistics. But then again, this is why we need more citizen journalists and independent journalists down at the border running into these children and asking them, you know, how many are sold into crime or sex slavery or raped and tortured that are not being reported? Those would be real 24 hour rolling statistics to keep track of. I mean, I can't just fathom that number, just 345,000 children. Forget about the adults. I would say at least more than half have been one way or another on their journey here or here in country have one way or another been assaulted, raped, or worse. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's it's like I said, it's it's something that a lot of people are missing on. Every once in a while you'll get Boomer Sweat or, or Tucker Carlson, mm -hmm. uh, maybe some of the you know smaller New York Post and maybe the Washington Examiner shine a light on it a little bit. But like I said, this could be something that could be going on 24-7, and, and we would probably have a lot more people concerned about it. Much mm -hmm. like Rep Clay Higgins was, he brought the hit stick and is probably – 
the most done in Congress with Alejandro Mayorkas. Let's hear his one minute and 37 second lambasting of the DHS chief. From sea to shining sea with the bodies of American sons and daughters dead from fentanyl. You've brought generational trauma upon our country. I believe history will witness your era of service as a transitional time in our country. What was America like before Secretary Mayorkas and what was America like after him? It's stunning that you could sit there and, and smugly grin as if you've not miserably failed your country. We could give you money to, to hire a thousand new border agents. Nobody wants to work for you. <laughs> They're coming forth. We can't keep up with the whistleblowers that are coming to testify against your command. We could give you money to deploy all sorts of new technology. I have evidence in my file that you've given command to not deploy technology that you currently have because it interfered with the cartel's business model. Oof. We talked about We're that on done, the show. We're done, done, done with your lies to America. It's shameful what you brought upon our country. Mr. Mr. Chairman, I have no interest in asking the secretary any questions. Mr. He obfuscates and lies. Mr. Chairman. I yield. Mm. <laughs> I think he would do good in colonial times. He seems like he's... Uh, Probably been in a pistol duel or two in his day. Oh, yeah. He probably has gallows in his backyard. The only thing that was missing off the outfit he had on, which was like literally the three-piece suit, was the uh, chained monocle. <laughs> if he would have had that, it would be perfect. But it, it's, it's yeah. You know, listen, you could tell how frustrated Congress is, especially since Representative Gates has been going around uh, doing a lot of the rungs. He, sh he should be coming back in here at some point next week as well, saying right now it, it's – the black and white issue with the border and Alejandro Mayorkas is we don't have the votes. Mm -mm. Incredibly mind-blowing that that's the case, but you got a lot of these rhinos and establishment hacks who just don't want to get involved with having opposition print and, and television and campaign ads done against them as, you know, being the historic carriers of water for Donald Trump who got the first cabinet member impeached in the modern political era. So... You know, it's it's just something, yeah. And, and you know, that delegation of, of Trump support is widening. Actually, we're going to be sitting down with Texas Congressman Wesley Hunt in just a few minutes. And in our last audio clip of this segment, I saw that uh, Representative Green was going to bring the uh, groundwork right now to get that impeachment ball rolling. Maybe we do need to take a vote in the House as well just to see where we're at. Uh, and I definitely think it would probably pressure some of the people when you actually bring a vote like that to the floor to maybe think twice about not doing something about it, especially when you have all the child-related receipts that they dropped. Let's hear him. Will you testify under oath right now? Do we have operational control, yes or no? Yes, we do. And we have we operational are, control of the borders. Yes, we do, and Congressman, and we are working to... Listen, what operational control defined. In this section, the term operational control means the prevention of all unlawful entries into the United States, including entries by terrorists. Other unlawful aliens, instruments of terrorism, narcotics, and other contraband. Do you stand by in your testimony that we have operational control in light of this definition? Do, and Congressman, I think the um, Secretary of Homeland Security would have said the same thing. Did in he just say we do? Yeah. Mr. Roy in reads. 2019. 
Mr. Roy reads the very definition you just admitted last month in the Senate that has not been achieved. He said, according to this definition, do you have operational control? According to the definition that you just said, no one has operation, have ever had operational control. He asks you, under oath, in the United States Congress, if you had operational control according to that definition, and you said, I do. It's his. That he's is show, a false statement videos. because you admitted in the Senate that no one has ever achieved that. You make it very clear, Mr. Secretary, that you've known all along, according to the definition that is written in the law passed by the Congress, that you do not have operational control. And yet, in testimony to this House, under oath, the definition was read to you. You've asked, according to that, you're asked according to that definition, whether control exists, and you say yes. That sounds like a lie under oath. And that's the corner that they've painted him into. After some of the... See, for me, I don't think that shooting for the operational control aspect is really the game plan. Like, dereliction of duty, yes. Enticing people to do the the stuff that's happening, yes. But, I mean, if you're going to look at, you know, as devil's advocate here... Op- this, the, the actual definition of operational control, I mean, it's there's never been operational control because right. that's just by definition. Unless we're stopping 100% of everybody or IDing anybody who gets away, there's no such thing. Right. But I get what they're going for. But anything that the previous administration has done just needs to be null and void and reversed to the most reversing, reversibleness as possible. It's, I like it. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it's it's... They've enabled an yeah. unbelievable, uh, they've provided an unbelievable economy for the drug cartels and the human smuggling uh, organizations. They've, they've enabled the, 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 I mean, I would, I'm wondering if, if in our, in our lifetime, boys, if human trafficking and drug trafficking was ever as successful and profitable as it was even since back in the eighties when they were smuggling all that cocaine into, into, into Miami. What you are you know, talking like, about? Are you talking about the CIA or the actual narcos? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you're <laughs> that's, that's right. A, that's, you're right. <laughs> that's a rough one. Oh, God. Hey, listen, if, <laughs> if, if, if you just look at the turnaround from the last, you know, two and a half years, you're talking about a $55 million a year industry turned into a 13 plus billion dollar industry in two and a half years. And if you think these people that think that this isn't encroaching upon the United States just because it's happening in the shithole third world country of Mexico, you're wrong because all those cartels, like their, their subsequent generations of people that have been born are American citizens and they're buying real estate. They're starting businesses, shell corporations. They're donating to fucking act blue. Like, do you think the democratic party's not getting money? Like, they're the best thing that's ever happened to these criminal organizations. Like, why wouldn't they want them? Yeah, let's donate. The fuck, let's let's give them everything we got. That's it. It's a return on my demand, investment. D- demand to uh, and, and subpoena uh, Secretary Mayorkas's uh, personal financial records. Everything. Well, everything. here's the thing. Just based off the the video that they played before Congress, which uh, started, just, just ignore the uh, the wristbands that I've been purchasing on Amazon, please. <laughs> based off of the Chip Roy testimony from a little over a month ago. I just want to remind our listenership, lying to Congress under oath is a felony. Now, I know everybody's like, oh, yeah, he'll never see the light of day. Listen, he doesn't need to go to jail to get impeached, but he does need to be held accountable for what's going on down there. Will we see it? I hope after this week 
and it seemed like uh, a towing of the line between the House and Senate Republicans that they're finally on the same page with Mitch McConnell still licking his wounds and, uh, you know, the Democrats only getting half a senator back with John Fetterman returning to work and, and Diane Feinstein still out. So Fetternick's back? Yeah, did you see squatch his, is back. You didn't see his post yesterday? He <laughs> held up a big marijuana flag inside the halls of Congress, and the, the tweet was, it's 420 on 420, period. That's the tweet. Did, did you see by any chance the video that he made? I'll give it to him. It was a good trolling video. I will give him the credit for it, even though it was cringe. Did you see the video about the body double? I like, they, I like the one that Machiavelli memes made better where Sloth from Goonies comes in the room as his body double. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that. I'm going to go away. He's great, Machiavelli memes. Oh, yeah. The, the body double videos. Wait, what's That's the body? Do- Fetterman made a body double video? He did. He's standing there in his house or whatever, and he's, you know, talking. And, and as far as the body double, and then it goes, and another Fetterman walks in the door. You know, it's, it, it's an edited video, obviously, wearing something different. And he's like, Oh hey, what what event am I supposed to go to now? And he made the video oh, himself that's awesome. of the body double. I, I'll give him the credit; he did it. It was funny, but it's retarded. Shrek has to go. I'm sorry. Can you, can you imagine the conversation between those two? No, <laughs> no, because you want to know what you got to go and find it on Twitter. No, he actually chaired a subcommittee meeting, and his oh. introduction to the meeting lasted like three minutes for him to like introduce himself. It was. I'm shocked you haven't played that on 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 a show. I, I, I can't. Really it, unbelievable. It, it, we're just gonna put it on loop. Time. We're gonna put it on loop one day when neither of us can do the show. We're just gonna just play that for two, an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah. But That'll back probably to the, be your biggest listenership ever. Yeah, back back to the Mayorkas <laughs> thing. Like eventually, they are going to feed this guy to the wolves because the administration is gonna need some sort of distraction or some sort of way for but, to take the heat off somebody else. All right, so, but I don't think it's going to be him because he is a really big piece of meat to throw to the wolves where it will not look good for the administration as far mm-hmm. as the border crisis. Well, maybe pick something smaller. Ooh, Give him Mayor Pete butt plug. This, guy, him- this guy's been, Alejandro Marcus has been working at a near cabinet level position or in a cabinet seat for over the last 20 years. Yeah, so it's probably not going to be him. Yeah, the only yeah. Even though he, I want it to be. He wasn't Me there was during the Trump administration, but. Uh, he's, he's as safe as fucking Fauci. Don't say that. Oh, no, God. they're they're fucking untouchable. Why why would you do this if you if you didn't know you were untouchable? Yeah, just blatantly lie. Yeah, it's like F, I don't give a fuck. I am and, science. Fuck you. And what and what you just said, Rowan, is the definition of the deep state. He has been yeah. in in bureaucracy, deep state, rooted, unelected, unaccountable to the people for over twenty years, just like Dr. Fauci. And that is the definition of the deep state. The deep state isn't elected uh, 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 politicians. They're just the pawns in it. That the deep state players, the unelected bureaucrats, get to play with. That's that's what the deep state is. You're 100 percent right, and that's our 100 percent coverage. Which is, listen, this is one of the only places here on Steak for Breakfast that you're going to get it. We're about to jump on with Congressman Hunt right now, but before we do that, let's hear from one of our partners. Friends, I want to take a minute and talk to you about cigars. Whether you're on the golf course, fishing on the lake, or doing some yard work around the house, our friend Alan has got you covered. He's launched the Patriot Cigar Company. The tobacco is hand-picked in the fields of Nicaragua, right next to where Mike Lindell picks his coffee beans. Cigars are hand-rolled each three years. If you enter promo code STAKE here, you're going to get 15% off your total order. Every order over $100, free shipping, and a $10 e-gift card is included with every purchase. MyPatriotCigars.com, that's MyPatriotCigars.com, a premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. All right, joining us first on the show today, this big Friday edition of Steak for Breakfast, he's the congressman representing Texas's 38th district. We've been looking really forward to having him on the show. 
Representative Wesley Hutt, thanks for joining us today. Oh, man, happy to be here. Thank you all so much for having me. Congressman, it's our pleasure. How's everything going with you? Listen, I know from just talking to your people and seeing how much you've been on TV, not necessarily for doing spots, but how many committee and subcommittee meetings you've been sitting in, you've been relatively <laughs> busy to say the least. Yeah, I mean, we are a very busy team. We've been given a lot of responsibilities. I think we're up for the cause. Uh, we're on the House Judiciary Committee. We're on the Committee of Natural Resources and Small Business. So we're on, we're on three. So we're pretty busy. But I think that's a testament to, A, how hard my team is willing to work uh, what we're willing to do, not just for our district, but for the country. And no matter what anybody tells you, what you hear, brother, it's an absolute honor to be this, to do this job. It's an honor to serve 800,000 people in the greater Northwest Houston area. And every day I get to go to work and realize that we have a country that's, that, that needs saving. And most importantly, it's a country that's worth saving. Yeah, you know, we've been talking about it on the show for quite some time now, Congressman, probably since late January, once you guys all got your footing there have been some absolute stars who, who on, on day one were ready. We've noticed it has a lot to do with people who served in the military and are veterans uh, that, that seemed to get you know into it a little bit more, didn't have problem getting accustomed to the way the committees worked, what the agendas were going to be, and uh, how hard you were going to take the narratives that you, know, you guys were given a mandate when you won back the House in the midterm elections. And uh, I think it's so far so good. Can you give some credit to that, to yourself as a veteran and a lot of the other ones who have been pulling some major weight there in the freshman class uh, that, that they've been doing so good in the House of Representatives since it started? Oh, absolutely. So me... Uh... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to name a few of these guys in order of merit excellence. Uh, so there's me, uh, <laughs> there's Morgan Luttrell, Navy SEAL, awesome dude. Corey Mills out of Florida, awesome dude. Uh, Jen Kiggins out of Virginia, awesome woman. And uh, we are a class that really likes to pride ourselves in knowing that there are a lot of veterans. And we are the ones that are willing to die for this country. And so when we're given this responsibility, we should act accordingly. And I think, you know, then I, like I said, I just named a few, uh, but that's how we view this. We view this as our next mission. We view this as our next deployment. And I know that I have friends and brothers and sisters abroad right now that are serving. Yeah. Uh, they can't just hop on a flight and go home. And so the idea that I'm a three hour flight from my home in Houston means that, yeah, I might be deployed to DC, but I'm also living in the U S we have a job to do. We have a mission to conduct. And, and that's how I take this. I think that's why we've been so successful early on. Yeah, no, I know. And a lot of the oversight and uh, committee work and, and behind-door meetings that you guys participate in are going to make sure that the military is funded appropriately and that they're prepared and, and, and taken care of as it comes to leadership. There's been a lot of accountability. You mentioned Congressman uh, Corey Mills. He's a regular contributor on this show, stops by about twice a month, and uh, we love sitting down with him. He's had some... Uh, powerful testimony and committee work as well, much like yourself, which I want to kind of segue to now. So you guys made the trip up to New York City this week uh, on the front half of the week to do the uh, investigation into Alvin Bragg's you know, crime-riddled issues that they've got up there in New York. It seemed like the Democrat counterparts that went up there with you guys weren't really prepared uh, to do anything regarding the committee. They kind of wanted to virtue signal how this was like, you know, carrying the water for Donald Trump. And it seemed like the constituents who made it to the audience during your guys' hearing were not having that. Not only that, but they also weren't prepared for the witnesses, in particular Ms. Brame, yeah. who just flat out gave them the business. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we were up there because, you know, we all know that. Brad is a liberal hack. He's woke. 
he is a person that's more focused on going after President Trump and solving the myriad of issues that he sees every single day in New York City. And the people there are pretty upset. If they don't want to hear about Donald Trump and they don't want to hear about politics, they want crime to stop in their communities. They do not want their DAs focused on indicting past presidents. They want to keep criminals behind bars. And all they do is basically diminish felonies to misdemeanors, let crimes back, let, let criminals back on the street, and they're pissed off about it. And the only thing we did was shine some light on their deficiencies. And I think it was an excellent trip. I think it was fruitful. It was eye-opening for me too, brother, because I went to West Point and I went to Cornell. So I spent eight years of my life in, in, in New York and spent many a night and many a week in New York City. 15 years ago, I didn't have these issues. Mm. There weren't these problems. And now it's terrifying to see what's going on there every day. Yeah, it certainly is. You know, I'm originally from New Jersey, and when I look back, and, you know, it's really good because for the national audience, the one who may only check into the mainstream media, they get, like, a very skewed narrative of what it's really like on the ground in some of these Democrat-ran major cities. To see the testimony from the people that actually live there, I think that really contributed to the narrative that you guys were pushing, that this crime is out of control. There's very... Uh, pinpoint reasons for it. It's uh, a lot of Soros-funded liberal people who get into these positions of power, and then they just kind of put up a wall of uh, like administrative state-style uh, staff around them, and they just literally don't care. Most of them live in gated communities. Most of them have armed security, and when it comes to the citizens of their cities and their you know voting constituents, they just don't really care what happens to them because they just feel like they'll never lose power in places like New York, San Francisco, Chicago, etc., Yes, you're exactly right. And they better wake up because down here in Texas, we got two new congressional seats. Florida got, we should have gotten three actually, but we'll see what happens with that. Florida got one congressional seat that should have gotten two as well. Where are they coming from? California and New York. Yep. So you're welcome, America. And there are 38 congressional districts that are in Texas. I am the, I am the 38th uh, congress, con congressman from, from the 38th district here in Houston, Texas. And we got one of these seats from California. And these, these liberal policies that are destroying these communities are why people are fleeing there and fleeing to what I call free state. And there's only a handful of us left. Yeah. No, there certainly is. And, and it's good that you guys are, are definitely getting some light shine on these uh, major cities, historically important cities to the United States, like places like Philadelphia and New York always come off the top of my head that just, and Washington, D.C., of course, that sometimes are, it's just not worth traveling there because of the crime, the homelessness, the drug epidemic that's going on in this country. And, uh, you know, we, we've got to get these cities back to, to the greatness that they were in, in their heydays to, to, to make them, you know, better representation of the overall what they stand for in the United States. Congressman, one of the things that I, I saw this week, you gave a pretty powerful speaking uh, segment during one of the committee meetings you were in because everyone from Joe Biden to the other side of the aisle is going after our guns. The Second Amendment is constantly under attack. Joe Biden's 25-year-old junior staffers who manage his Twitter account put out five, six tweets a day. Tell Congress to ban ARs, tell can Congress to ban assault weapons, and, and you know, everything like that. And, and when you gave your portion during the hearing, you talked about school safety and security and how you felt going into places where there was police presence and armed security and how much of a difference that can make in a time when something really serious happens. Do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? Of course. So I'm, I'm a person that actually wants to come up with solutions to problems. And the idea that we're going to round up 400 million guns and then give them back to the government when we have a Second Amendment constitutional right to bear arms is ridiculous. 
I'm an AR-15 owner. I own multiple AR-15s in different calibers. I like to go hunt. I like to be able to defend my home. I am a combat veteran. And, and I can also tell you that an AR-15 is not a weapon of war. I'm an AA-64 Delta Apache pilot. That, sir, is a weapon of war. And what they've done is they've taken the narrative and they want to go after the AR-15 because that's, I guess, in their eyes, the scariest thing that they can that they can go after. But what they are ignoring is this. Of all the gun homicides that we had last year in this country, only 6% of them, 6, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 6% was due to an AR-15. 60, 60% was due to a hand was due to a handgun, and the rest was due to things not designated as a handgun or an AR-15. They're going after the AR because then they want to go after your handguns, and then they want to go after your shotguns, and they they, they want to disarm America and take away our Second Amendment rights so that we won't have the ability to fight against their tyranny. That's why the Second Amendment exists in the first place. In terms of defending schools, I don't want to ban guns. We don't need any more laws. I just want to protect our children yeah. in the same way that we are protected on the Hill. That's my only argument. And don't tell me we can't afford it because we're giving billions of dollars to other countries. The least we can do is have an armed guard and a presence at our schools to protect our children. Just sometimes that visual, physical deterrent is enough to make somebody think twice. I think back to the most recent one in, in Tennessee where three children and, and three adults were murdered. And, uh, you know, we just can't keep letting this stuff happen. There's there's definitely reasons why these incidents are happening and where they're happening, Congressman. But it has nothing to do with the fact that people are legally purchasing firearms and that they make up for a small percentage of, of the violent crime, including death throughout the country. As you pointed out, I'm glad you brought that stat to the show. Last thing I wanted to touch on with you, and, and this is a huge one, we've seen uh, former President Trump, who's, who's the leading nominee in the Republican Party for the primary uh, in, in the presidential race right now, scooping up endorsements across the country. Uh, most recently, he, he's I think he made it, he's going to finish with like 13 by the end of the day today, which is Friday, but he just picked up his 11th this morning with Brian Mash jumping on. Uh, and then, you know, just two weeks ago, we had the huge rally in Waco, Texas, where not only you spoke, but you were announced as part of his re-election leadership team in the Lone Star State. Congressman, there's very few reasons why people are getting behind Donald Trump right now, uh, but there's some of the biggest reasons to getting this country back on track. Uh, you want to outline some of those right now uh, for our listenership? Absolutely. For the record, I was the, the second person in the country to endorse him when he announced his his, his, his run. Uh, I was right after Ronnie Jackson, so I'm kind of upset about that. <laughs> I want to be number one. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but look, everyone knows the condition of this country. And when you look at what's happening with President Trump, he's been literally the most investigated American in the history of America. Yeah. If you're looking at what happened with the impeachment, his house gets raided by the FBI, the Russia hoax, et cetera. And yet here he is still standing strong against all of this opposition and the world is watching this because he said it's best. If, the, if they are willing to come after me like this, imagine what they will do to you. And I am the only one standing in between them and you. And I believe that wholeheartedly. This is the worst inflation I've seen in my lifetime. This is a, the worst border crisis right here in Texas sure. that I have seen in my lifetime. There's a war on our oil and gas industry just due to our own country. We are empowering China. We're empowering Russia. We're empowering Iran and Venezuela, these rogue nations. And the only person 
that can stop all of this on day one is President Trump. And people are waking up to that, and that's why you're seeing this barrage of endorsements over the course of the past few weeks. It ain't DeSantis. We don't want Bud Light. We don't want Coke Zero. We want the real thing. That's it right there. You know, I heard somebody making a really good analogy about that yesterday when they come out with all these, like, Coke Zero and things like that, and it's like, well, it's like Coke, but zero. And it's like, well, I like Coke, so I'm just going to drink that. And, and That's right. <laughs> I'll just give me the Coke. <laughs> we've endorsed President Trump on the show. We are the number one landing pad out of any podcast in the country for anyone that's worked in the Trump administration. Everyone from Liz Harrington, who's going to be joining us later in the show today, his entire legal team and so many former administration officials come through here. Congressman, we love having them on. Just like we loved sitting down with you today, we're going to live link your link tree in our show description today. But anyone that's not following you on social Social media, where can they check you out? Uh, WesleyForTexas.com and go to my website and you, you'll see all my social media links right there. We're, we're on everything. Well, I can tell you what, we're already looking forward to having you back at some point in the near future, Congressman, and you are doing a bang-up job up there on Capitol Hill. Keep working for the American people, the people of Texas. This is the Congressman who's representing Texas 38, Representative Hunt. Thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you, man. Y'all have a good one. God bless you. Appreciate it. Or hundred billion dollars four hundred billion dollars it's not just because i grew up with you all it's because it's true you know when i speak to the business roundtable on the muckety mucks are good a lot, a lot of decent people the very all the business enterprises they look at me like hey guys don't jump okay well growing up i didn't see a whole hell of a lot trickle down on our three-bedroom house with four kids in my dad's kitchen table how did that happen? I mean, I'm, I mean, deadly earnest. You don't have to be a, a rocket scientist to figure this out. How did that happen? Okay, well, guess what? You're now you're not paying 35 bucks instead of 500 bucks a month for that insulin. God love you, man. Eight, E-I-G-H percent. And believe it or not, that was the current president joe biden talking about the economy if you guys weren't able to guess that was the economy apparently he didn't mention his hair turning white in the snow and the pool whatever the fuck. he was talking about his <laughs> bank deposits from ukraine yeah wow it, it was a rough week for basements uh from my point of view i did see that i'm sure a lot i'm sure everybody saw this week robert kennedy jr officially announced his candidacy to run as a Democrat in the 2024 presidential election cycle. How, how are people going to feel about that? Like, how are the people that are like literally vote blue no matter who? And they're like, except that guy. Yeah. How are they going to? As of as of yesterday, he was like 14 percent in the polls among Democrats. Yeah. Which which is. Uh, I mean, I guess he's gonna he's gonna corner the market on the the anti-vax Democrats if there are, are that many. But if they go back and look, they'll go. They'll they'll look at where he was very pro-vaccination for a long time. There are some old videos circulating. You're going to see them more now. And especially there are Republicans out there who are saying, well, you know, they wouldn't mind someone like RFK. But you go back again to the videos where he actually said anyone who is uh, not serious about global warming should be jailed. No, you know, no. the guy's a progressive Democrat. Not only that, but he's also one of the... I mean, largest... Joe Biden said he didn't want to live in a racial jungle. That's true. He's okay. <laughs> This is true. <laughs> He's also one of the largest public wants to grab your gunners. Mm. Yes. Ever to walk the earth. So where he may cater to some needs that aren't being met by Joe Biden right now, he definitely has a lot of deficiencies in that department. But you know what? To see them actually debate at some point, 
uh, if Joe Biden will agree to it. But like I said, not only did that announcement kind of have Joe Biden not have a good week because where there's been a lot of speculation on when, how, or if he was going to formally announce his intentions to run for re-election. Um, some people were speculating that it was going to come at some point in late May. Others saying it could have been all the way until July. Now Joe Biden is is coming out and it's been told that he's going to formally announce his intent to run for president again this coming Tuesday. And a lot of people are saying that it's because now you have th- – there's been a couple, like, really minor people getting in on the Democrat side. But when you have someone who's a little bit more of a prominent figure, especially with the family name as, uh, you know, Robert Kennedy Jr., it, it, it kind of gets the wheels turning maybe not as fast as Joe Biden wants them. I mean, we've all seen the asshole ride a bike. So – and how that ends. But uh, – Well, you know, you're thinking about ice cream instead of pedaling. Yeah, we we also have this going on in the same week where his DHS chief is getting absolutely destroyed by the entire Republican Congress. And uh, there's been some new information coming out over the last 48 hours that two different things that are directly connected to Joe Biden, actually three when you look at them. So first of all, you had congressional Republicans on the Oversight and Judiciary Committees able to go over to the Department of the Treasury and look into some of the over 150 uh, SAR reports regarding the Biden business dealings. and That's wh- a lot of fucking reports. Like, that's uncommon. That's that's not normal. Like, people need to realize that. And, and Nobody's you, talking about it. Well, you know, when you have Jim Comer and Jim Jordan come out and say, like, oh, yeah, these are the worst things we've ever... But listen, when you have people like Nancy Mace come out and say, like, I have seen some stuff that's been absolutely mind-blowing. You know there's probably something there. Mm. Then you have the IRS whistleblower who came forward to say that the federal agencies that are investigating Hunter Biden for all the things that he's done, number one is business dealings, lying on his gun registration uh, application, and a couple other things. I'm pretty sure I'd go to jail for that. Well, now they're saying that he sat there for the last two years and watched all of the agencies that he's interacted with as part of this case not want to do anything with it and be like, guys, we just need to like let this go. This is the president's yeah. son. It, it needs to stop. And lastly, now you have another whistleblower coming out and saying that Joe Biden, his campaign team, and Tony Blinken basically came up with the idea to counter the Hunter Biden laptop story to create the letter that supposedly over 50 former intelligence agency heads weighed in on and said it was Russian disinformation. <laughs> it, it, it was a bad week for Joe Biden. It, like, when and, you just, and yet everybody that is on Team Biden has got their fingers firmly stuck in their ears going, no, 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 not listening. Yeah, it, the, the mainstream media is not going to report on it accurately and not talk about it at all. Yeah. You know, the, the, the DNC is all in on, on Biden. Like you mentioned something, Ron, about... Um, Maybe Biden and RFK uh, debating, right? Yeah, at, Where, so, at some I, point. It, if well, God, if that would be DN- interesting. I, I don't see the DNC uh, looking to host a debate at all. It would have to be some, and maybe the mainstream media, not you know, at, at the behest of the DNC, uh, for for many reasons, where it would have to be some sort of uh, other organization, and you have to agree to it uh, because I I don't I don't think you're going to see. 
Joe Biden on a debate stage. Not live. I really don't. Not live in person. Yeah. There's I no think way. They're going to go from he didn't campaign last time because of COVID. Now they're going to be like, he's too busy being the president of the United States to campaign. Mm. That, that, he's getting things done. Yeah. He's getting things done. He went to Ireland and, and ate ice cream and uh, got a brick. Uh, Peter, just to be clear, mm. the president is very vocal about Thing. debates mm. and this debate would be historical but yeah. quite frankly would it be transparent transparently speaking he's just too fucking busy eating ice cream and answering questions every day oh yeah and we're going to talk about some of the possible incoming legal issues uh not only with author brandon dilly who's coming up in just a bit but in our next news segment we're going to stay in this thread now of why it was a bad week for Joe Biden because House Republicans were definitely holding the line when it came to the incoming debt ceiling battle and the fiscal year 2024 budget power struggle that's going on right now. Some of the most prominent congressmen in the House took to the floor. We're going to hear from Speaker McCarthy first and talk about a possible solution that he's introduced. Let's check it out. Now that we've introduced a clear plan for a responsible debt limit increase. They have no more excuse and refuse to negotiate. I think the Senate can honor maple syrup and basketball teams and negotiate on a debt ceiling at the same time. <laughs> we owe it to the American people to use this moment in history to deliver the future they want, need, and deserve. House Republicans have a plan. The Senate does not. And the President is ignoring the debt crisis. President Biden has a choice. Come to the table and stop playing partisan political games. Or cover his ears, refuse to negotiate, and risk bumbling his way into the first default in our nation's history. I urge all my colleagues on both sides of the aisle to support this plan to get our nation back on track. So yes, we then can curb inflation, end our dependency on China, and strengthen and protect Social Security and Medicare. Now, you know, I think the three of us can agree no one wants to see the United States default on its debt in the already weak domestic economy and what it would do on a global scale. The only people that are going to get hurt is us in our global standing and the American taxpayer in regards to every single thing that they consume. Um, and just remember, as it's been pointed out several times on the show by economist Jim Nels, nearly 70% of all working Americans' income is going to shelter and to food, and that's basically it. It's it's. Oh, I thought you were going to say shelter and feed illegal immigrants that in too. Ukraine. Well, we're going to be paying mortgages here in, in just a bit too. If you got a really good credit score, so I, I think the three of us are. I finally got mine up. Effed, yeah. So glad I pay everything early and more than what I actually owe. But I there's a lot of people coming out and saying, "Oh, McCarthy's caving to Joe Biden by offering to raise the debt ceiling." Like I think believe it's one point seven five percent, and that'll bankroll the government, saving it nearly half a trillion until March of 2024 when we would be in the same kind of circumstances again. I don't really think it's a cave. I think it's a, 
you could really start to pin all the things Democrats are responsible for on Republicans as well if, as a group, we go into default. And I think they would use that and say Republicans are just as complicit in this as we are because they weren't willing to negotiate. But here's the fact that a lot of people aren't talking about. I went back and looked because I remember when everybody sat in that awkward lunch up in the White House, 78 days ago was the last time that Speaker McCarthy and Joe Biden sat down face to face. And, you know, you have people like. I'm surprised anybody sits down with their guy face to face. Democrats like Joe Manchin right now are, are coming out and saying like. He feels bad that he was conned by the Biden administration to get in on the Inflation Reduction Act because he's seen it do nothing but hurt his constituents. It's probably going to cost him an election in 2024 down there in West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And for as much as we don't want to see more reckless spending, this is going to be less spending than the Biden administration had originally proposed. So, like I said, saving half a trillion dollars by using this $1.75 trillion uh, or 1.75% to raise the debt ceiling. But, you know, we're going to keep uh, tracking on this, and, and we're going to hear from Congressman Matt Gates as well, who, who talked about it and kind of alluded to a little something different than uh, what Kevin McCarthy was talking on. Let's hear him. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I rise to vindicate the most American of values, and that is work when John Smith landed at Jamestown. He said, he who does not work, neither shall he eat. And we have drifted so far away of that, creating a social safety net that has been converted into a multi-generational hammock for far too many Americans. And so as we reach America's credit card limit, I am proud to stand with my many House Republican colleagues who believe there should be no increase in this debt limit absent rigorous work requirements. If you could see President Clinton and Newt Gingrich coming together for work requirements in the 90s, there's no reason we cannot do that in divided government now to cut spending where it is wasteful and to grow this economy where it is necessary. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I yield back. You know, Gates is always going to be one of those people like, He's given Speaker McCarthy a decent grade. He's going to toe the line in votes that are really detrimental to the American public. But he's always going to throw his two cents in there and, you know, and say why we should look to other alternatives. And when you talk about all of this wasteful spending that goes into these ridiculous amounts of, of government programs uh, for people who just live off the fat of the land while, you know, us, the average blue-collar, middle-class nuclear families are out there busting our asses working now in a lot of cases, multiple jobs just to make ends meet, if you can do that. And, you know, we, we have to take some of this stuff out of the budget. We, we have to get some of these people who have just ate off the teat of government reliance for so long back into the workforce, back doing what, uh, you know, they need to do to bring down the deficit and, and reduce the wasteful spending. So Foreign aid. Foreign aid is, is another huge one. And, uh, you know, when, when you have some Democrats finally saying, like, okay, this Ukraine stuff's getting ridiculous, you know, they, they have I, – I did see going around on Twitter today. Again, it's Friday out here on the West Coast. Uh, so there were some special forces training somewhere in Ukraine, and they have, like, fucking Hitler patches on their uniforms. What's new? And uh, yeah, I, I, the, well, the, the, the Abrams tanks landed somewhere and now they're going to be training on them right just outside of the border of Ukraine. But, but I was told there were no Nazis fighting on the front lines in Ukraine. Well, you know, 
That's no, no, they said Nazis. Gotcha. Uh, <laughs> you also have Zelensky. Did, didn't Zelensky make some comment? He's uh, towing the line with Joe Biden about taxing billionaires so that he can make sure that there is more money coming into Ukraine to help him. I saw that somewhere on Twitter, I believe, uh, last night or today. More money but, for cookies. You know, yes, sir. And for, yeah, for, yeah. for everyone that missed it, we did have the very historic and transparent <laughs> Since the conflict started, the NATO chief was in Kiev yesterday saying that mm. at some point, and regardless of who doesn't want it, Ukraine will be a NATO nation at some point in the near future. Wait, what? And whether you like it or not, and even if they have the votes. Whether you want World War Three or not. Yeah, right. Ukraine right. will be a NATO nation. Why? Who knows? It doesn't need to be. No, it doesn't. No one cares. <laughs> no one already, cares. You know, he's already pissed that who they just let in? Sweden, Finland, which one of those countries? Uh, was it? I think Sweden. Yeah, Man, Sweden, I don't want to sound Sweden, like an idiot. Sweden just got in there, and uh, you know they're they're. Well, they didn't want all their particle board factories to get bombed. <laughs> hey, listen, <laughs> the last thing we need in, in all the supply chain issues we're having There's right no now, no IKEA, no Swedish meatballs. <laughs> so or Swedish fish. There's a lot of people that listen to Steak for Breakfast that have a sweet tooth. Oh, I like those. Yeah, and if you're listening to Steak for Breakfast, no matter on what podcasting platform you're hearing us on, make Wait, sure you subscribe to the show. If there's any Swedish fish companies, you know, we'll give you a promo code. There you go, promo code. <laughs> Swedish steak. <laughs> and then again on social media, guys, Twitter, Getter, Truth Social, Instagram, follow the show, hit the notification bell. Anything we're cranking out will be delivered directly to you then. I did see in our last audio clip of this segment, Ren, right before we jump in with author Brandon Dilly, Byron Donalds, who loves to go into the belly of the beast, because, and he's reiterated on, on several occasions. I'm just going to throw out his stats. He has stated that he is 6'2", 275 pounds, and an African-American. He ain't scared of nobody. He ain't scared of nobody. <laughs> That's so good. Sat down on CNN last night in studio to talk about reckless spending and, and what we need to do to get back on track. I wish you guys could see how the uh, other people on the panel were rolling their eyes and giving them mean mugs the whole time. But listen, against these two, light in the pants, I'd probably take Donald's over both of them at the same time. Let's hear him. That's coming for every American, every American under this economy. Number one has been inflation. We all know it. It's been covered at nauseum. Number two is the fact that if we continue to borrow, borrow money recklessly, interest on the <laughs> debt will become larger than what we pay on defense, larger than what we pay, pay in discretionary programs. We got to take seriously the spending of the American people's money, and we got to do it in a consistent and bipartisan way, I will add, I will add to make sure that we lower our debt and we get on a balanced budget track. That other guy didn't even want to let him finish. He was just like waiting for his fucking chance. He's to great. Talk. Yeah, yeah. And he's a big finance guy, right? He's a numbers guy. No, he is. And and you want to know what Byron Donald's performance uh, into his second term right now? I, more and more, I feel comfortable saying that at some point he will win a statewide election in Florida. Oh, one hundred percent. I could see him, uh, Governor Donald, in, Go Governor or Senator. I think he could win. Yeah. E either position if he continues down the path that he's on, and and. That path includes endorsing Donald Trump, which he did a little over a week ago. Uh, we're going to talk about that in our next news segment as well. But right now we're getting ready to jump in with Brendan Dilly. So let's hear from one of our partners. You know how you've gotten that chewy, hard, disappointing jerky from the gas station? you got to try some of this jerky we just got from Farmer Bill's. It's soft and tender because it's cured and air-dried instead of dehydrated, like that other junk. Ingredient conscious, there's no sugar, no soy, or other additives, just beef, salt, and spices. Working on those gains, it's protein on the go with a very respectable... 32 grams of protein per 2 ounces. That's twice the amount of that other jerky. 
So if you'd like to support small business and you like your food source in the USA, order some Farmer Bills with the code STEAK for an extra 5 bucks off. Buy a 12-pack, you can get free shipping. The only thing better than this tender jerky is supporting an American-made company that shares your values. Get yourself some Farmer Bills traditionally air-dried beef jerky today. All right, joining us next on the show today, really excited to have him back. He's the author of Still Breathing. He's the host of the Dilly Show. It kind of spoils it for everybody. It's Brendan Dilly. He's back on Steak for Breakfast. Welcome, <laughs> sir. What's up, guys? How you doing today? Well, like you mentioned before we started recording, it is Friday, so that's kind of exciting. Uh, I'm also excited about, as you are, probably the amount of endorsements and poll numbers that have been coming out regarding the soon-to-be 47th president of the United States, Donald Trump. They've been very much in his favor and are... Uh, Wrapping up now nearly two months of, of positive vibes for all things yep. Trump 2024. How was, uh, you know, this being taken in by you guys on your show, kind of in your neck of the woods? And uh, it, it seems like right now President Trump is on full offense. He had so much stuff go on in the last week, Brendan. Something that we were all kind of involved in. You know, we had Alex Brucewitz on the show just the other day. <laughs> he was, like, talking about the whole Jenna Ellis thing, right? And yep. then you have Jenna Ellis on social media trying to tag all these people that are closely related to the president. Like, why is Alex Bruce? It's why are you letting him represent yeah. you? This, that, and the other thing. The day after he has Alex down at Mar-a-Lago at a speaking event and lets yeah. him get up on stage and talk. And then you kind of just roll that into the uh, rubbing in Ron DeSantis's face, Florida squad right. goals dinner last night. And it seems like we're sitting pretty right now. Well, I think honestly, man, um, the Trump 2024 campaign has rolled out phenomenally well. Um, they were really, really smart to get out their uh, policy plan first before everything else. It was, I'm running for president, and here is why. Here's my sales pitch. And you're going to have a really hard time overcoming the Agenda 47 sales pitch. It's really strong. And he already has the track record. So you can already scoreboard people, right? We already have scoreboard for four years of incredible policy, incredible America first results, economy, safety, foreign policy, scoreboard, scoreboard, scoreboard. And then he rolls out foreign or uh, rather his agenda 47 policy for 2024. It's brand new. It's totally different. It's even more ambitious. And so you're already starting from a position of the high ground. Okay. Then what he did was he allowed his organic grassroots people like myself, you, Alex Brusowitz, a lot of people that are like, we believe in MAGA, we believe in Donald Trump, and we're going to do this the way we want to do it. And I think him giving that freedom to everyday normal Americans to express their passion for MAGA, their, their passion for Trump, but also their senses of humor. I think this is one of the things that's most sad about the DeSantis campaign. It is completely unaware of itself. <laughs> and so because of that, it has no humility. It has no sense of humor. And they were so stupid that they started a shadow, a shadow campaign that didn't lead with policy. So all they've done for four months is cry about Donald Trump. They actually haven't presented a tangible argument for their candidate and because they did it this way and, and they did it this way because they thought that donald trump was going to get in the ring first and what president trump did was well, i mean he's made a few comments but for the most part he's maintained his emphasis on policy and results and he's let his people like us defend him on uh you know on, at a much more macro level and 
The results have been astounding. If you look at the results, you look what has happened since Agenda 47 rolled out and those videos started rolling out. And also simultaneously with the organic grassroots um, support really getting kicked off in the pushback against DeSantis going back to January. Dude, it is it's not close. It's uh, we're at a point now where I'm going to I'm going to horse laugh at whatever stupid donor throws good money after bad money to try and entice meatball to continue to, to even go forward into this race. It will be career suicide. It And a lot of people have made the comparison with Ted Cruz and it's not even Ted Cruz because Ted Cruz at least was a sitting Senator right. who's pretty good at his job, right? He already had that. This is much closer. I think the first person I, I heard uh, mention this was Rich Barris. And, and that was, this is much closer to Scott Walker, Wisconsin, Absolutely. 2015, 2016. Yep. Rich Barris is the first person who went, this isn't going to go good. You're going to be out of politics in four or five years if you go into the meat grinder that is the Trump 2024 campaign. And it seems that the DeSantis people, along with him, uh, Meatball himself, are completely deluded into thinking they can win this by moving right of Trump, which, good luck. He, I don't know how you get further right than Roe v. Wade getting overturned, but somehow they're going to try to find a way to do it, and there's no votes over there. None. None whatsoever. You make some excellent points there. I kind of want to unpack a little bit of that for our listenership. First off, you are 100% correct saying that over the winter, uh, from about Thanksgiving time up through the new year, when Donald Trump was rolling out those long four or five-minute policy videos, there were so many people uh, in the political right, everyone from Pirates of the Caribbean, extra Steve Bannon, all the way up to Boomer Sweat, Sean Hannity, and Laura Ingram, who were saying... <laughs> Donald Trump's policies coming out two years before an election, his inaction to get involved with anything. I was like, Donald Trump just spent tens of millions of dollars out of his own pocket right. on the midterm elections, got an overwhelming majority of his endorsed candidates into elected office, which included two senators. And mm -hmm. all they want to do is blame the other candidates who couldn't get their, you know, names over the finish line right. on Donald Trump. So he took kind of a step back, enjoyed galaxies, and then he rolled out the policies hardcore. He had about a dozen come out over the winter. And uh, then he hit the new year ready to shit post, ready to enjoy the fact that when he goes right. and starts his rallies, all these fire memes that are coming out, especially people from your meme team, are going to be up on the big <laughs> screen at, at the events because they yep. literally are. And, you're, right. you know, you're going to have the actual Trump campaign sharing uh, some of the really great videos that come out from you guys as well. And, and I think we kind of, we, listen, we got every single receipt. We played every single one on our show for our listenership to hear. Like, these are the people who are going to snake oil salesman you. Donald Trump's still the guy the whole time, but this is how they really feel. When they don't feel right. like he's doing enough, they're going to go out and bitch about him. Like, it's okay right. to point out policy missteps, sometimes bad hires, and, and things that weren't managed as well as they could have been with things like the pandemic. Like, you have to live in reality and tell the truth. Like, there's a lot of things that happened during the Trump administration I'm sure all of us didn't like, but the fact of the matter is, overwhelming majority and up against everything that that guy has gone through, it was one of the right. most successful presidential terms in history of this country. Yeah. And and when you talk about the Ron DeSantis team, the unprofessional and entitled spoiled brat nature of some of the people that he brought in there to where first it was <laughs> like, 
Donald Trump's a loser. Automatically debunked. 2020, yeah. he got almost 12 million more votes than he get in 2016. 2020 was not a referendum on Donald Trump. It was the fact that McLeadership, McCarthy, McConnell, and McDaniel did not do the jobs they were supposed to do in the Blue Wall states, in the Rust Belt, and they couldn't get Brian Kemp down in Georgia to get on board, and it cost Donald Trump. Right. We have to fix those mistakes going into the next cycle. And then they went on to the COVID stuff. Listen, we know Donald Trump made some mistakes during COVID, but guess what? You're going to try and tell me that a sitting president isn't going to trust the top doctor in the country who is defying him left and right. Well, I got to tell you something too, man. Go ahead. COVID's a non-starter. No, it, it These is. People are, it's, so, it's a non-starter. People are hung over from that crap. Like they don't care. They, they honestly don't. When you start dealing with everyday normal Americans, they're like, yeah, I survived it. I don't even want to talk about it. I just want to, what are you going to do to make my life good? How it was before COVID that's all they care about. And so when I watch them, like if you're running a campaign and your entire premise is, I didn't like the way this person handled a global pandemic emergency. Right. It wasn't exactly the way I liked it. Dude, that's really weak, especially when we're not talking like we don't live through pandemics every six months no. or every election cycle. They wish we so could. for them to even what, what are they going to do? You're so you're saying that I should I should throw my weight behind Rob DeSantis <laughs> in the event that a 100 year pandemic shows up five years after the last one. Give me a break. Like that premise of that is just stupid. Mm -hmm. And this is the thing is most of who you're talking to, man, these people are failures. And I mean that in every sense of the word failures in life, failures in their personal lives, failures as men, failures as women, failures in their careers. You're dealing with a lot of losers. And so when you deal with losers, they always approach things from the perspective of someone else should have done something so that I didn't have to suffer. Yep. That's why they have no self-awareness. So what President Trump, you didn't like the way th this one, this one I've destroyed so many times. They go, oh, what about the vax? I go, what about the vax? Well, what about the vaccine? He's the inventor. I'm like, okay, so now I've got to imagine my Trump with beakers and he's mixing things, <laughs> right? And then, you know, he's doing his best Bill Nye impression. Then what about the vax? I go, what about it? Well, he pushed it. Okay, he believed in it. He's 76. I'm not. This isn't even... I also... If Trump came out tomorrow and told me to drink Metamucil, I'm probably going to pass on that too, bro. Yeah. Like, we're in different places in our lives. It, I'm an American. I'm free. So... He can make a suggestion. Okay, you think this is appropriate for your body coming from the perspective of somebody at your age and I don't know your health history. You don't know mine. And he was making a suggestion. Here's what I think you could do. I believe that this is good science based on what the doctors have told me. Okay, respectfully, sir. At the time, I'm 39 years old. I don't feel like I need that pass. That's the end of the conversation on the vax for me. Mm -hmm. That's the end of it. There, there's nothing else. If you're an American and you didn't like that a president of the United States gave you options for your health, you're an idiot and you probably can't handle freedom. Yeah. You probably can't handle other benign choices either in your life, which is why you're such a failure. At the end of the day, you were given, hell, he's also the one who suggested ivermectin. I went that route. It worked great for me. Thank you, President Trump. Everyone got to have their own individual choice to make. And the COVID vaccine was one that he believed in. And he sat behind it. I was like, yeah, I believe in this. Okay, great. It yep. wasn't right for me. The end. That's the end of the dialogue. If we're going to have a larger debate, which is because if you're going to have the vax debate, you have to have the debate of 
can you as an American, as a sovereign citizen with a sovereign body, handle the responsibility of making choices about <laughs> what you put in your body? And if you can't handle that, you should try a different country. Maybe Canada is more your, t- your speed. But that's that's the end of that conversation for me. And uh, I, I have yet to have anybody be able to counterpoint that because Donald Trump didn't mandate anybody get the jab. He gave these companies the tools to come up with what they felt was a solution. And then he promoted something that he thought was good science. That's it. Yeah, that's, uh, so what are you gonna get? You're going to hold him hostage for having a bad opinion on on something. He's, he's not a medical doctor. I mean, that's just stupid. No, it, it certainly is. And I mean, he put a team together of some of the longest reigning career right. air quoting experts in Washington, D.C. And I'm glad you even mentioned alternative therapeutics because we've had Peter Navarro on our show many times. And, uh, you know, he was at the tip of the spear of the development of Operation mm-hmm. Warp Speed and all that stuff. And Peter Navarro said there was literally a day. It was a Friday during the beginning of the pandemic where Dr. Zelenko and some of his team came to the White House and they sat down with Donald Trump in one of the ready rooms and they had an argument with Dr. Fauci. Dr. Fauci did not want to look to alternative treatment. And Donald Trump said, listen, we're going to sit on this and we're going to talk about it next week. We're all getting ready to get out of town for the weekend. Let's just see what happens. And he told Dr. Fauci, like, whatever you do, just don't be an asshole about it. He went on every single cable and and local news station over the course of that weekend 60 minutes uh meet the press state of the union anyone who would take them and said people are going to start telling you to use ivermectin and and all the other stuff he's like this is not good for you don't use it It right and it was just like and then donald trump came back the next week and was like i'm gonna fire this asshole And, and congress was literally like if you try to fire fauci during a pandemic we will impeach right. you for a third time. And we're going to tell Americans like, okay, we said he was killing people. We really didn't mean it. This time, people are literally dying. Correct. So yeah. that's what he had to go up against. You made the point also that the, the vaccine was only available for a little over 60 days left in his presidency. And the Correct. fact of the matter that nothing was mandated regarding it during the Trump administration. It wasn't meant for mass distribution. It was supposed to be for old people and people who were like medically right. incurred in, in old folks' homes and stuff. But- that's neither here or there. All the debates are sponsored by Pfizer anyway, so there's not a fucking debate moderator that's going to answer a question. Sponsored by no. Pfizer. So that's kind of yeah, where we're at exactly. with that. No, it, it's the truth. And, and you know, these people, know. They, they just go around. I, listen, the endorsements, I think, other than sh- Trump shattering all of their narratives right now yes. is probably the best one. We're up to 13 congresspeople in Florida. Uh, over 50 endorsements overall, already over 10 senators. A couple governors have jumped in, and, and it looks like... Dude, honestly, bro, you if you're a state governor thinking about running for president, and Rich Barris said this, I'm going to reference him again on this, He's because he's right. If you're the sitting governor, and you're getting into a presidential race, and you lose all of your state legislatures and your state congressman endorsements to the other guy... It's not only the end of your campaign, it's the end of your political career. I said this on my show. If DeSantis goes forward with this, there is no path to higher office ever. He will never end up in a Senate seat in Florida. He will never end up in a presidential seat. He will end up on Fox News by 2027. That's where he'll end up. He'll end up with some shitty job where he goes and he mentions on Fox News. and He talks about what's happening and he'll just be another anchor and another another Scott Walker that just you're, you're nothing. And that's where he's at. He's he's teetering on the brink. And I really loved President Trump's video he released in the last day or two. Yep. And a lot of people missed it. That was a that was a nuanced, very he's giving DeSantis the opportunity to save face and to step away. 
And you can tell because the language he's using, like when he's referring to him as a young man, that's not to discredit him or to uh, try and make him look bad. That is him literally reminding the guy, you're a very young person. There's plenty of time for you to make this leap. All you have to do now is fulfill your campaign promises, which the first one is serving the four years you were just elected to serve. He's giving him fatherly advice. And I honestly don't think DeSantis is aware enough to even understand it. And this is part of the challenge when you deal with someone. And this is, it makes me laugh. Politicians are stupid. Okay. I don't mean some, I mean, almost all politicians are dumber than shit. They couldn't <laughs> hack it in private industry. Okay. They don't build anything. They don't actually understand how the world works. They don't really understand having to go through strife and overcoming shit to bring together something to market. They don't even understand the politics of being in the private industry because they're not in it. And that's where you start to look at a DeSantis who has virtually zero private sector success of any kind. And you look at Donald Trump, who's all private sector, and then a hell of a four years as president, and you realize he doesn't even have the capacity, I don't think, to recognize when he's facing something that he's not prepared for. And that's where Team DeSantis actually thinks they can throw money at the problem. Yeah. And I was saying this on my show earlier, man. They, the people supporting DeSantis aren't supporting him because they love him. They're not supporting him because of his leadership or his vision. They're supporting him because they're never Trumpers. And he's the only candidate that anybody with money is throwing it behind to try and stop Trump. You can't run on... I'm just not the other guy and beat Trump. That's not going to work. And especially because MAGA is still only gaining momentum. Not only that, in order to support DeSantis, you also have to buy into the idea because it's, it's coming from the top down. You have to buy into the idea that the 2020 election wasn't stolen. It's one of the first buy-ins to support DeSantis is Trump couldn't beat Biden in 2020. And in order to make that statement true, you have to, convince yourself and anybody else you're trying to convince to vote for DeSantis that the election wasn't stolen and polling says most Americans know it was stolen, especially on the Republican side. Yep. So it's a fail campaign right from the start. It's one of the weirdest, most obvious idiotic campaigns I've ever witnessed. And, uh, and I mean, that's, I just think it's going to continue to get worse. I, I don't know if he has the, the only thing that will stop him, I believe for and get him to pull out of this thing is if the money goes away. The only person that's going to save this guy's career are donors if they tell him, never mind. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't see. And, and then you saw over the weekend that some of the top donors were having a meltdown. There was oh le my God. leaked <laughs> images of a group chat where they said, like, who the fuck do I need to talk to to, to get on the phone with Ron DeSantis? I'm Dude, they basically called him a pussy. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, how are they just going to let Trump keep taking pot shots at him right. and not say anything? And, uh, you know, it's like, well, they're celebrating, you know, having 400 people in a convention hall is like packed sold out audience. Like that's usually right. like one porta potty bathroom line at a Trump right. rally. And that's, that, that's a fact. So, I mean, I, I think from here we only go up. Uh, you know, I, it looks like uh, if Ron DeSantis does get into the race, Chris Christie kind of is uh, gave a little spoiler this week. So it looks like he's going to try and, and Ted Cruz him because he has been hammering Ron DeSantis in every way, shape wait, or wait, form. Wait, 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 sorry. Chris Christie's been hammering DeSantis? 
Yeah, he, he actually Who went the out. hell told Chris Christie that anybody cares about him? <laughs> hey, listen, the Roy Rogers delegation of the Republican Party needs to be represented <laughs> at all times. And uh, it, it, Doesn't it defy logic, though? Do you look and go, dude, you, you stopped mattering right around the time that you got booted the hell out of Trump's inner circle. Like, yeah. no one cared about you. He, that's one of the reasons I think he's going to get in it to be an agitator. But all these people do is only help out Donald Trump. Anytime there's 100%. any other kind yeah. of chaos, uh, you know, uh, uh, and and things that Donald Trump just kind of navigates through unflinchingly, it seems like it does nothing but improve his standard, which is, is raising and, and heading on the up and up again. You know, Brandon, we'd love to have you on the show again soon. We love sitting down with you today on this yeah. big Friday edition of the show. We're going to deconstruct some of the things we talked about uh, with you and our first guest, Congressman Wesley Hunt, with uh, the official spokeswoman for the 2024 presidential mm-hmm. campaign, Liz Harrington, who's going to be joining us a little bit later. But uh, for anybody that's not following you, all the great work you're doing, anything for your team that you want to uh, talk about right now, obviously the book as well. We'll live link everything in the show description today. I appreciate you guys. Yeah, no, uh, the best place to find me is on Twitter, war- at Warlord Dilly. And if you go onto my account and you click on my lists, the list for my meme team is on there. You can actually subscribe to that list. Uh, it's an open list. That way you never miss any of the incredible content that they're creating. You can follow all of the creators individually. Really great people. Um, obviously, yes, you pick up the book. I think, you know, it's a, I'm coming up on a 10-year anniversary of that book being released. Uh, it was a bestseller back in 2013. It still continues to sell really well. A lot of people don't know that about me. But, uh, yeah, and then you guys can always check out the show at dillyshow.com. And uh, it's the best place to find me. I love coming and hanging out with you guys, man. Oh, we got a lot of talk about it's. It's great because we kind of complement each other. We're kind of like that beltway and geopolitical. We kind of deconstruct everything for our listenership, give everybody the receipts. And then when I go over to listen to your show, it is like literally the MAGA variety show. You get everything Trump, everything around him. You get the memes. You get the videos. You get songs. And then you do a lot of self-help in your show, too. I do. You could be on a rant about, you know, Rob DeSantis at any point of your show and say, you know what, let's just break this down for a second. And then you'll go on a 12-minute like just motivational speak about getting up in the morning, putting on your pants and going out and being a big boy and girl. I think a lot of people need that. Uh, You know how crappy the world is now and and you're still doing a lot of great things. We really appreciate you taking the time uh, coming down with us today. And we'll be looking to have you back at uh, some point in May. This is the host of the Dilly show. Mr. Brendan Dilly. Thanks for joining us on steak for breakfast. Absolutely. Thanks fellas. My client wants to come forward to Congress. He's ready to be questioned about what he knows and what he experienced under the proper legal protections. Attorney Mark Lytle's client is a supervisory special agent at the IRS who's prepared to tell Congress the investigation he's been working on has been hampered by what he thinks is special treatment. Typical steps that a law enforcement investigator would take were compromised because of political considerations. Lytle wouldn't talk in specifics, declining to identify either his client or the target of the investigation his client helped conduct. Can you identify him? I can't at this stage, Jim. But CBS News has learned the investigation the whistleblower worked on is about Hunter Biden. What we're doing is is being completely cooperative. That was Biden two years ago, after the DOJ opened an investigation into his finances. The FBI collected what it believed was sufficient evidence to charge Biden with tax crimes. And last year, Senate's findings to the U.S. attorney in Delaware. Since then... Silence. Why can't your client talk to us directly at this point? There are laws that provide protection to whistleblowers, and he has to navigate that. Today, Lytle sent this letter to Congress, 
claiming his client could provide information that would contradict sworn testimony by a senior political appointee. I have promised to ensure that he's able to carry out uh, his investigation. CBS News has learned that was Attorney General Merrick Garland. Imagine that, Attorney General Merrick Garland. Uh, we talked about the bad week that Joe Biden had regarding the economy and all things such. RFK getting in the race. Now we're going to segue to some of his potential legal problems that he might be having coming down the pike. Um, Alan, I know we were talking about this this morning. Uh, when, when you see this stuff going on with the IRS looking into Hunter Biden's business dealings and uh, the amount of pressure that people who are directly connected to the Biden administration are putting on the people who are investigating this, kind of reminds me a lot of the Russiagate scandal and mm-hmm. how when uh, the Devin Nunes-led group with Cash Patel and them were finally starting to get receipts. So Robert Mueller would have people go start investigating Cash Patel, Devin Nunes, and the attorneys that were working with them. Do, do, do you see the similarities in that when, when you heard that piece right there? No, absolutely. It's, you know, again, I guess you can use the word weaponization of such a cliche word now of organizations. Uh, and But when the, I guess the opposite side of it is, hey, that's our guy. Leave them alone. Don't, don't look into them too much. We can't afford the, the political hit or whatever it is. I guess, can you equate? So basically it's, the IRS was basically told not to look in, in, into Hunter Biden's business dealings. Is, is that what I'm gathering? Right. Yep. All right. So it's the same thing. I'm a police officer. I pull you over. You hand me a PBA card and say, hey, my dad's a police officer. How about a little professional courtesy? Not the same thing, but just, to, you know, put it in layman's terms. Sure. Well, yeah, my that's that's the president's son or the vice president's son or a senator's son. We can't. We can't look into them. We can't arrest them. We can't give him a, a parking ticket. So, yeah, it's again, it's politics. It's the it's the seediest and most disgusting industry, if you want to call it, in the world. Uh, it's yeah, it is like the same thing. But politicize this organization either to go after a political opponent, and the IRS is good for that. I mean, look what they did back in the Obama years, going after conservative business owners. To hey, wait a minute, IRS. You can't go after the president's son. And where does that come from? That comes from, again, the deep state, the unelected bureaucrats that are using the elected positions as pawns and pushing them around like chess pieces. Sure. So I, I don't know if the, I don't think I don't think that the squashing of an IRS investigation came from Joe Biden himself. It came from his handlers and the unelected bureaucrats unaccountable to the American people that are handling him. You know, I, that's if that makes sense. And they're saying that this pressure may have come up to and including all the way up to Merrick Garland's office, the, the sitting attorney general of the United States. Tucker Carlson weighed in on that last night. Let's hear him. Hunter Biden is not in jail. He's making art in his garden in L.A., it's what we're seeing what it looks like well we can finally answer that question thanks to a career special agent at the irs who's decided to blow the whistle on the corruption in the biden administration this whistleblower has just informed congress that he has proof that the attorney general of the united states merrick garland lied under oath about the hunter biden investigation that's a felony So the Attorney General of the United States committed a felony, according to this whistleblower, who also says he has seen, quote, 
preferential treatment and politics improperly infecting decisions and protocols throughout the agency. There it is, Alan. And that these changes in standard protocol were designed to, quote, benefit the politically connected. So what we've learned here is exactly what you suspected all along. The Biden people are criminals. The highest level, the highest ranking law enforcement official in the country is the attorney general. Am I right? You're correct. Top cop. Top cop. And I really want to see what comes of this. I mean, I mean, come on. You know, they're going to discredit this whistleblower. Mm. You know how politics are played. What is going to come of this? We already know the corruption. Whistleblowers usually don't come empty handed, though, when they're ready to go public with it and not only sit down for interviews, but be working with Congress behind the scenes. It's because they've gathered a lot of data regarding these things that are going on. And when he starts naming names and saying it goes all the way up to Garland's office, I'm a little optimistic in this. Wait, somebody actually has the data? Well, that's the thing. You circle back to Mayorkas, Noah. But listen, in the same show. It all comes back to Mayorkas. In the same week, we have a whistleblower regarding the Hunter Biden stuff. And we have the entirety of the Republican Congress now basically playing back for them. Tucker Carlson just played a receipt from Merrick Garland. And the congressman in the House played Chip Roy interviewing Alejandro Mayorkas when he was. Both of these guys, two cabinet members in the Biden administration, have lied under oath to Congress. And now we have to see where the, what weight does this hold. In an administration that's setting so many precedents going against Republicans, going against the middle class, nuclear family, going against Catholics and Christians and, and, and anyone who doesn't agree with their ideology, are we going to finally start to see stuff, the tide turn a little bit? That, mm-hmm. That's the big question there. And believe it or not, that wasn't the worst of it. Because as we talked about it just a little bit and touched on it in, in our new segment uh, just a little while ago, there's this breaking story now that at the direction of Biden's campaign team during the 2020 election cycle. Now current secretary of state, Tony Blinken was going around and basically created this whole 50 former intelligence officials saying that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. Sean Hannity talked about it with uh, investigative journalist, John Solomon, who's going to be joining us on our Tuesday edition of the show. Let's hear him kind of break this news. This issue. Can you explain this little yes. letter right here? Just came out today, sent to Tony yes. Blinken. What is in this that is so important for yeah. people to know? Chairman Jordan deserves a lot of credit. This has been a methodical investigation. His chief counsel, Steve Castor, has done a lot of great work. They don't put the facts out until they have them. They've been methodical, and they got some powerful facts. They put the letter out, and they use Morell's own word. Why did you do it? Only because Tony Blinken did it. Why we try to do it? I wanted Joe Biden to get investigated. Did anyone call you after the debate? Yes, they did. What did they say? Good job. All right. Those are all the things, and everyone can read that testimony from that letter. Congressman Jordan, Chairman Jordan, has methodically pursued this, and now he's asking the right questions of Tony Blinken. You are America's top diplomat. You were willing to give Joe Biden a debate line, you were willing to accuse a nuclear armed superpower of intervening our election without a basis, we want an answer. And there's a great line in there. The line that Jim Jordan, the summary line of this letter says, you helped deprive the American people of making an informed decision in the 2020 election. That is election interference. And it didn't come from Russia. It came from people affiliated with our own government, some 
who currently are in the government. Okay, and we will be hearing a lot more about this in the days and weeks to come? Yes, uh, there will be more depositions, more answers. The State Department said tonight, we can't comment. So they're going to just say there's an ongoing investigation, but I would expect that Anthony Blinken's going to have to answer questions. What about the Attorney General, Merrick Garland? Is he the senior political appointee whose testimony that the whistleblower's evidence will contradict? Is he the guy? In other words, did the Attorney General of this country lie to Congress under oath? Well, listen, I think we should give him the benefit of the doubt until we get the facts, right? Mm. The facts are that what he said is not true according to the IRS. Does it appear to you that he might have? Listen, I don't know enough about how high up in the Justice Department this dispute was known. That's when he goes so until we know who knew, mode. right? It's not fair <laughs> yeah. to accuse him of anything. That's what Democrats do. I want to stay in the realm of facts. The facts are, at least at the U.S. attorney's level, there were two political appointees of Joe Biden at the U.S. attorney's level that declined to bring prosecutions. Did that get escalated to Merrick Garland? We don't know. And, you know, we'll just continue to track that. Up. But you know, I really like John Solomon. The integrity level that he has, of course, he can go around all these, you know, shows that that invite him on because they know the levels of investigative journalism that he does. He always has receipts. He always has really good ground game and some of the things that he's working on. And he could just say, like, he could speculate and feed into that as, as Sean Hannity activates into, like, full boomer sweats mode. But isn't this the worst thing ever in the history of things? Mm. You know, you know what happens? Two things that happen in D.C. that's a trend is... Democrats can play the corruption game very well and be as corrupt as they want with no accountability. Sure. And two, Democrats don't get convicted in D.C. courts. So that in itself is a problem with all of this. And we can find out that people lied under oath and they they can lie to Congress and everything else. But being the fact that they are sick Democrats, that they will get a true jury of their peers who are as corrupt as they are in the D.C. circuit. And even if it got to court, I unfortunately, I'm not confident enough there would be any type of accountability or convictions at trial because of that and the bureaucracy that goes around it. You look at people and a friend of mine and what happened to him yep. based on a lie and a hoax, Roger Stone. Look yep. what they did to him in a D.C. court from the jury four person to the judge herself. I mean, it was a legit Soviet show trial to, hey, we got one. And that will always happen to conservatives in D.C. because there is no true justice um, in, in the D.C. circuit whatsoever. Because when you do have a jury, you will have former Clinton and Obama staffers and you will have Obama and Clinton uh, donors on the jury who would love nothing more than to hang a conservative and... Uh, acquit any Democrat to shove it up the conservative base's asses. So. Yeah, well, that's a good point, and uh, that's enough of that. As far Asshole. as all Joe Biden and all of his assholeness that's been going on, as Noah so elegantly just pointed out. Uh, let's segue as we're getting ready to wrap here and sit down with the official spokeswoman for Trump 2024, Liz Harrington, one of our great friends. You thought we weren't going to, uh, you know, end the show and end the week on on such a high note, but here we are. Donald Trump sat down for a podcast, mm. not ours, uh, with the Nelk Boys again before the UFC event uh, that happened recently where he was warmly welcomed down in uh, South Beach and uh, talked about a multiple array of topics, everything from he wished he was Elvis to what the uh, worst of the two N-words are 
But the thing that I thought was good to pull for our show um, was the f- what they asked him about Ron DeSantis. I thought it was a really good clip. Donald Trump kind of laid it out there. It was more open than some of his all-caps truths that he's often putting out. And uh, I thought it would be good for our listenership to hear it. So let's hear 45. You think that um, your biggest competition lies within your own party? Yeah. Like from the people running in the party? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but they're really fading fast. I mean, it's fading very, very quickly. Uh, you have a guy from Florida, Ron DeSantis, who I got in with my endorsement. He was at three points. He was nothing. He was not going to win. He was going to lose, and I endorsed him. And then when they asked him a couple, uh, not only there, then I got him through the general election. He was running against somebody who at the time was considered very good as a politician. He was uh, He was dead politically. I endorsed him. And saved him. Had I endorsed, he was losing by like 25, 30 points very shortly before the election. When I endorsed him, he went like a rocket ship. Like, <laughs> you, rocket love you love that song. Like huh? Rocket Man. He went like a Rocky. I should call him Rocket Man, but now he's Rocket Man that's crashing. His <laughs> polls are terrible. I'm leading him in every state. And uh, we, we just came out with, uh, they just came out with new polls. I'm leading them everywhere. I don't want to knock anybody, but. The thing he did well on is public relations because uh, the numbers weren't what uh, they pretended to be. With all of that being said, when you help somebody, I believe in loyalty. You there just don't is. do what he did. Now, he's out campaigning. I assume he's going to run. But I think the numbers are so bad now that a lot of people are assuming that he won't run. And uh, Would you consider him like to be your running mate? I don't, I, I don't see it. I mean, I don't see it. We have a lot of great people in the Republican Party. There's the answer to the question you're always asking, Noah, from the big guy. When it comes to Ron DeSantis being a potential veep, not happening. Mm. And you want to know why? One thing and one thing only. Loyalty. Lack of loyalty. And uh, it, it's, it's a shame. What, to see what Ron, listen, Ron DeSantis had an amazing January and February in regards to rolling this out, public speaking events, and looking like he was all big and bad. Let's look, deconstruct this and look at some of the facts. Donald Trump is accurate in all the polling. Most of it suggests his his leads are as small as twenty ish points, and all the way up. I saw one today; he was up by like fifty points in in one of the polls, head to head matchups only, and that was a national poll. Um, endorsement season seems to be working a lot better for Donald Trump now. There's been a couple extras. And in Ron DeSantis' home state of Florida, where in, he's in his second term as governor, Donald Trump now leads endorsements in that state 13 to 1. He yeah. sat down with an overwhelming majority of that delegation last night for dinner at Mar-a-Lago with some of our favorite congresspeople, which included Matt Gates, Anna Paulina Luna, Corey Mills, Greg Stubbe, Byron Donalds. Uh, you had uh, Rutherford Buchanan and Bill Regis there. And then today, uh, Jimenez... Camerak and Mast have, have all jumped on. Re- sitting right now, there's 19 Republican Congress people in Florida who have yet to endorse the president, but it's super early. Uh, that brings his national endorsement well over 50 now, and, and including 10 senators as well. And Ron DeSantis, who hasn't formally announced, but is doing that whole shadow book tour campaign thing, he's got three. Uh, Tom Massey, who's kind of a grandstander. Chip Soy who is also a grandstander and doesn't really ever get legislation passed as well, even though he does have a lot of pretty motivational speaking pieces on the floor, wishing he could hold people accountable. But again, it's a votes and a numbers game, so we can't blame him totally for that. And, uh, yeah, Matt Gates put out a tweet while the show's going on right now, said the biggest thing in the country that he's seeing is the amount of 
Trump momentum that's going on. Mm. So we'll have like to it. we'll have to ask Liz Harrington about that in, in just a second. And in our last audio clip of the day, it's a short one, so don't miss it. Kind of goes with the narrative of the last two news segments too. Donald Trump put out, believe it or not, a 10 second campaign video this week. It asked one question and one question alone. Did the editing get better? Listen, you can't fuck up 10 seconds. Let's hear it. Where's Hunter? <laughs> that was that was less than 10 seconds. That was the entire clip right there. And play, it had to, play it again. You want another one? Play it again. Where's Hunter? And then it goes to the screen, text Trump to 88022. <laughs> it's not even 10 trolling. seconds. He, he put out so many videos the other day. It was like, first he's ending homelessness. And then like two hours later, the next video comes out and it's like, Ron DeSantis thought he'd be doing better in the polls, but I can assure you he's not. And then he would just go into like trashing him. <laughs> and then like an hour later, I see another video come out and I'm seeing like all these accounts share it. And I'm not seeing the video, but I'm just seeing everyone's like 10 seconds, 11 seconds, 14 seconds. I'm like, what the fuck is this? So I click on it. It's all in my car all out. Where's Hunter? <laughs> just like, I, I wonder if he's sitting there at Mar-a-Lago like well, laughing his ass off. Yes. Does he, he's just having a grand old time. Like when he's not playing golf, he's in his suit. So I, I picture Donald Trump like I used to picture my school teachers as a young kid. Like that it. When I leave school, they sleep in the classrooms and, <laughs> and they never leave school. Like he's always in a suit except when he's playing golf. Like, but not, like not dressed in just, drag. Yeah, he's not dressed in drag. Just out of the blue. Does he like, all right, let's make let's make a video. Just, just out of the blue, he just has these ideas. Let's make a video. Let's, we're going to end homelessness, and then later on, we're going to talk about Hunter. We're going to talk about Meatball Ron and everything else. I, I It's got to be great just to be around him all day. He's probably uh, got, like, a videographer guy that just lives in the pool house. He just, like, texts him. is like, hey, I've got a great idea. Come over here. It'll be real quick. Well, Chris, the eight-bedroom pool house. Chris LaChavita is notorious for in Republican politics as being, like, one of those guys. Like, he's, like a top tier troll. So a lot of that stuff, I, I think that comes out like, Oh yeah, let's, let's just fuck around and do like, just real quick, say where's Hunter and we're going to record it. And you know, I, I think right now, Donald Trump has completely dominated over the last two months. His momentum continues to build. He needs to, well, unfortunately he's in New York today, given a de deposition for Letitia peekaboo James in regards. Again, he's back in New York. Yeah. He, he's given deposition regarding, uh, she's charging him with, Stating that he, Trump Inc., Donald, Eric, and uh, Ivanka all made everyone think that the Trump brand was worth more than it actually was. And it's all just that's civil. That's civil. It's not criminal. Right. But of course, all they're going to say, I mean, you had Brian, piece of shit, kill me on Fox News last night. Ugh, like, talk about, on. oh, yeah, Donald Trump's going to be in New York for a rape trial tomorrow. And everybody's like, the fuck is this guy talking about? So that's kind of where we are. We're going to touch on all that and just a little bit more in a sec here as we get Liz Harrington in on the phone. All right, coming in now on the show, she is the official spokeswoman for the 45th president of the United States, Donald J. Trump. Miss Liz Harrington, thanks for joining us on the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Because it's always our pleasure. We love having you on the show. Sounds like you're enjoying a nice Friday out in nature somewhere. Can you confirm that for our <laughs> listenership today? <laughs> I am. I did just step outside, and it's beautiful here. So hopefully you can hear the birds <laughs> in the background. I'm sure Noah's going to love the aesthetic when he's uh, editing later. <laughs> no, I like birds. No, it's it's tea kettles that bother me. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, there are some clankies <laughs> with some of our guests. Liz, what's what, what can you tell us? Is There's so much been going on with, with President Trump lately. I don't know what you want to touch on first, the poll numbers that are going through the roof, the amount of endorsements that President Trump has been able to, to grab over the course of the last month and a half. Uh, he 
just put out the get to know your Florida governor, Rob DeSantis. Uh, <laughs> I just saw you share it on Twitter not too long ago. It seems like we're uh, still not tired of winning, as is the tweet that's always going to be pinned to your profile. But <laughs> w- what can you say about where we're at right now regarding all things Trump world? Well, I mean, it's it's incredible. And President Trump, I mean, this this is why it's the honor of my life to work for this guy because he's just he's so great he's the exact leader this country needs and he had the the nelk boys podcast i don't know if you guys caught that uh that came out yesterday and you know he is just so at ease even though the entire world is coming after him again (laughs) they're literally trying to put this guy in jail for the crime of what defending this country for fighting for this country. And he's just a total ease. Uh, he's comfortable. He, he's happy. And he's fighting for, for the country. And he loves doing that. And so he's going on offense. Uh, he's putting out, you know, the real truth, the real history of Ron DeSantis' DeSantis's record, whether, you know, you like it or not. These are just the facts. I mean, they put out a list of the track record you know it's one thing to have good pr and you know uh have good you know twitter presence or or whatever these influencers so-called influencers but it's not actually reality and the reality shows that it's really not affordable to live in florida and ron DeSantis has done nothing to lower prices to make the american dream more attainable in florida uh on every measure health education safety everything and so we just put that out but i think what really shows why you know people are getting behind president trump is these endorsements Mm -hmm. in his own backyard and ron DeSantis, who you know the guy he sat next to in congress you know said he never even (laughs) said hi to him um and is all these people in congress he can't get anybody really from his home state except one person who served in his cabinet, I would hope, you know, you'd get that person. But it just shows you, look, President Trump, the media caricature of him, everyone knows this by now, it is false, it's lies, it's smears. He's actually the most genuinely likable guy you'll ever meet. And it's because he's genuine. And he, he, he cares about what he's doing. He puts effort into it. And what is he doing? He's trying to save the country. And that's what we really need to unify behind. No, you, you make some excellent points there, Liz. I want to unpack a little bit of that for our listenership. Obviously, the poll numbers are looking great. Um, the receipts on Ron DeSantis, and, and I'll you know parlay that into the, the commentary he gave during you know the podcast with the Nelk Boys that uh, we actually played a, a clip of it uh, right before you jumped on. And, and you know, it, he kind of just lays it out there. And, and you, you said it so perfectly. Donald Trump just kind of navigates himself through all this chaos, and, and he's just focused on doing one thing, doing great for the country. And he asked for one thing, usually one thing only. And, and it's been something that he said. I, I remember going back to like the 80s, and he still said this when he's talking about banking deals and business deals that he's mm-hmm. doing. He wants loyalty. He wants to be able to be there for somebody and be the Donald Trump that these people make him out to be when they come to him to ask for his endorsement, to ask for his money, for to ask them to get them over the finish line in some kind of an election. And he wants to be able to go back, whether it's six months or, or ten years later, and be like, hey, do you remember when I did this for you and, and you wound up having a great career because of it? I need you to do this for me now. Would you mind doing it? And, and it, he hasn't even been able to do that with people like Ron DeSantis because of how they just kind of 
Well, it's a book tour, but it's not a book tour. It's a book tour, but we're going to go to the five, you know, first primary states in, in the Republican <laughs> primary. It's just silly. We're going to have packs that aren't for me running for president, even though they're called Run, Ron, Run 2024, and, and talk bad about President Trump. Uh, but but don't count that out either. And then we're just not going to talk to President Trump. We'll have an event at Doral when he's up in Bedminster, but we're, we're still not going to talk to him or do anything associated with him. It's just weird to me how so fast so many people turn. Obviously, we know a lot of it's for money and fame, but you know it makes you think like, when you really deconstruct the, the Ron DeSantis path to the governor's mansion in Tallahassee, he went from Harvard Law to military jag, not on the tip of the spear in the front lines fighting as an infantryman. He was a military jag. He went right to the U.S. Department of Justice in Florida when he was done with the military. He went to the House of Representatives after that in Congress and then to the governor's mansion. So it seems like he's been a part of the swamp and the establishment for a lot longer than Donald Trump ever has been involved with it. And uh, when, when you kind of look at it and start to peel back the onion, that is Ron DeSantis. I mean, like you said, that congressman literally said in the article that came out, he was actually kind of an asshole to me for the time that I sat next to him in Congress. Two years, you don't even say hi to the guy. Like, that's weird. And uh, it's kind of where we're at with this situation. I do think it's uh, one that President Trump has definitely stolen the narrative on. I believe it's 13 to 1 for endorsements in Florida right now. He had a huge squad goals dinner up at Mar-a-Lago last night, which I thought was awesome. Definitely better than the influencer dinners that Ron DeSantis has had in Florida <laughs> with, with some of those failed people who couldn't stand. You know, all the stuff that you guys go through on a regular basis. You want to talk about uh, people that have integrity and show loyalty. Liz, you know it. Every single person you work with, uh, not only in the administration, but now as Donald Trump's running for re-election, the lawfare, the media yeah. disinformation, the stuff that like your children have to see on TV, the way they make you guys all sound all the time. Like Those people couldn't hack that life, so they bailed on Donald Trump. And, and now they're doing exactly what people who usually go against him do, lose. <laughs> well, exactly, man. You you really summed it up so well. And you know, it's strike it's striking to me. You talk about loyalty and integrity. I mean, that's what it is. It's integrity. I, I mean, who are you going to be a man of your word? And that is what I think any normal person values very highly. And that's what President Trump values very highly. And clearly, if you're someone who comes begging for an endorsement. Uh, and then turns her and which is the only reason you got the nomination. It's only reason you're in the job you're in it right now. And then you just will wipe your hands of it and look for the next job. It's clear that you never actually believed in what you were asking for in the first place. Right. You, you never actually ha had integrity and believed in the value of what President Trump was doing. And wanting his support. No, you were using it. And you're just another career politician who believes in nothing except yourself. And that was another quote uh, from his former colleague. You know, this guy, he's just this arrogant. He was only thinking about his next move, yep. uh, what his next job was going to be. That's what's killing this country. I'm sorry. That is what this corrupt class, that's why it keeps getting more corrupt and it grows and they get worse is because everyone is just looking out for their own job or their next job and then uh, another leg up the ladder and it gets more and more corrupt as you go up and that's destroying this nation president trump 
didn't need this job. No. He had the best job. I mean, he has the best life. Um, it's it's amazing, but that's why he is the one guy who can do this uh, because he 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 doesn't. Own, nobody owns him. He doesn't need it. Uh, it's purely sacrifice at this point, and his family has sacrificed a lot. But the amazing thing about it is, after all of this. He's still happy to do it because he just loves America. And that's what I mean. You've got to see the bigger picture here. This isn't about Trump. It isn't about DeSantis, any of these people, which honestly, they're not even in the same league. It's really a media creation (laughs) that this is like, oh, you know, mano a mano. They're not. But it's not about any of them individually. It's about whether we're going to have a country left. And they're destroying the rule of law. They've totally destroyed our border. And the, the amount of sex trafficking and drug trafficking going on in there is such a disgrace, an abomination. And the corrupt people ruling this country are letting it happen. Not just letting it happen, facilitating it. Uh, the war in Ukraine, all these things, trying to destroy the dollar like they destroyed our energy independence. Yep. I mean, our country is hanging by a threat. We have to get serious, and it can't be about you personally. It needs to be about the country and whether we're going to have one or not. Yeah, I mean, the American public is definitely responding when it comes to the polls. It wasn't a great week for Joe Biden. Well, is there ever a great week for Joe Biden? You know, <laughs> After he had his brick in Ireland, he came home to stumble through uh, speaking event after speaking event regarding the economy, which he kind of reveres as the best economy in the history of the universe. But we all know when we go to the grocery store, the gas pump, or try to keep our kids in extracurricular activities, etc., or maybe just a roof over our head, it certainly isn't the case. But we did see this week... Now, over the last 72 hours, uh, probably two cabinet members, the Attorney General of the United States and the DHS chief, had both lied in the past year under oath and in front of Congress regarding things that have to do with, uh, you know, stuff going on with the Joe Biden administration. We covered extensively at the top of our show the the congressional hearings regarding Alejandro Mayorkas, and believe me, everybody on this show thinks that guy belongs in one place, and that's jail for the job he's did on the southwest border. But I want to talk about uh, Merrick Garland real quick. So the Hunter Biden laptop thing, Liz, ever since you came on the show for the first time like a year and a half ago, you told us, Donald Trump has been right about everything, and the media (laughs) finally admits it. They will eventually admit about the election being rigged and stolen. We had the blueprint, the Time Magazine article, and everyone from the Obama administration who was connected there. We had free-for-all mail-in ballots across the entire country. You could make the case for that as well. Now you're seeing that at the behest of the DNC and Joe Biden and his campaign, Anthony Blinken and some former Obama administration officials went around and stumped for this 50-plus former intelligence agency heads saying that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. This is a narrative that Donald Trump has ran with since day one. A lot of people closely associated with him put their necks and their careers on the line to say this is legitimate. And it seems like at the end of the day, and now with the Attorney General of the United States lying about it under oath, that we're going to find out that... This is just another element of how the election was stolen from the American people and from President Trump in 2020. Exactly. It's election interference. And it actually is the dossier in reverse. Yep. It's They took something that was real and said it was fake. I mean, the dossier they paid for, used it to interfere in our politics for 
years was fake and they pretended it was real, right? So this is something that was real and they said, oh, well, we'll say it's Russia. And everyone knew this. Everyone knew it came from Biden. There's no way it doesn't. It's, there was so much coordination. You don't get 51 intel officials without probably some money moving around also and promises made for different jobs uh, when they carried out the stolen election. But my favorite part, I'm so glad you tied these things together, is because if you think, okay, we, we know they lied and censored this. They, sent, they totally trampled all over the First Amendment, broke the law, uh, censoring the New York Post story and all of this. And now you're seeing like the smoking gun on where it actually came from, right? Uh, but the, if they're willing to do this, 51 of our deep state's finest <laughs> are willing to lie. And Joe Biden is willing to lie. Obviously, he's, he's made a career of it to straight to the American people just to try to, quote unquote, win an election. You really don't, you really think stuffing the ballot box is above them? You really think messing with the machines, putting in a USB drive to switch votes is above them? Absolutely not. And what drives me nuts about some of these, you know, conservatives uh, online is, oh, they're happy to jump on the next Hunter story. And it's important. We, we, we have to talk about it. It's so corrupt. Uh, it, it has everything to do with Joe Biden. It's so much bigger than that. And they won't touch the election fraud, which is how the stealing was actually executed. These things helped influence the election. But guess what? It didn't work. The people did not believe the media. They loved President Trump. They went out in droves and voted for President Trump. They voted for him anyway, even though they did so much covering, so much interference, trying to prop up somebody who wasn't even running a campaign. And it didn't work. But they're not willing to go there when it was the actual theft. And now we've seen what's happened to our country because people are still not willing to go there uh, because we're not going to be able to get it back unless we make these changes. Uh, we have to make sure we shore up our elections and never let it happen again. I know President Trump's concerned about it and he's working on it. And, and he just put out a video the other day. We got to swamp these cheaters. We have to beat them uh, or we won't have a country. But more people just need to be honest and, and tell exactly what's happening here, because these people will lie about anything. They certainly will cheat in elections. It's not beneath them. I mean, believe me. Oh, it certainly isn't. And, and you know, we know that the Republican path to 270 lies in the Rust Belt and the Blue Wall states. It comes down to Arizona and Nevada, Georgia as well. That makes up about six of them. And we're talking less than 100,000 votes between those five or six states, and that's it. We, we, need, right. to, we need to have an amazing ground game in there. Yep. We, we need to do the things that President Trump is talking about, like kind of uh, taking a step forward in uh, early voting and, and ballot harvesting at major events, uh, which we all think is great. we got to play the game. And if we only have to play the game in those five states, because when you just look at the historical map of the electorate for the last 50 years, there's not a red state turning blue. There's not a blue state turning red. It's those states, such a small number of votes, and that determines on whether or not Donald Trump retakes the White House. With, with still about a year and a half out from Election Day, we think this is well within the grasp of, of the Trump team to get the job done. And, and, and we're just going to continue to track that as we love tracking on this show and uh, hosting you, Liz. For everyone that's not already following everybody, we're going to link the campaign website today. But where can we find you on social medias? 
True Social at Real Liz USA. Absolutely love it, and we absolutely love hosting you. This is the official spokeswoman for President Donald J. Trump, Miss Liz Harrington. Thanks for coming on the show. Have a great weekend. Oh, you too. Thanks so much, guys. Okay, I'm not even going to lie, and I'm not even going to ask you. I'm just going to ask you to agree with me. This actually was kind of a banger today. Oh, yeah. We got the job done, as we usually do here on Steak for Breakfast. If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast and want to hear the now over 230 other editions of the show, you can find us across every downloadable podcasting platform. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, FM Player, Pod Out of Google Podcasts, or even in the Samsung Store. Subscribe to the show and rate it, leave a review, and don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show creds go to all of our amazing guests today. Congressman Wesley Hunt sat down with us for the first time. I definitely think it won't be the last. Uh, Mr. Brendan Dilley of The Dilley Show. Loved having him. Motivational author and uh, variety show owner of all things MAGA, to say the very least. Speaking of which, we also hosted the official spokeswoman for the 45th president, Miss Liz Harrington. Always a treat sitting down with her. Thanks for helping coming down and helping make stakes great again guys don't forget to go out even in this bad economy and throw just a little bit of change at everybody's favorite pillow farmer mike lindell i just saw yesterday he owes like five million dollars in a lawsuit because he said he could uh not be disproven that china didn't hack our elections well a civil judge said no mr lindell you got to pay five million dollars so when you enter promo code steak at checkout, he's still going to give you big, big savings. Uh, whether you want my pillow version 2.0, buy one, get one free, or 25 to 50% off of my coffee, just enter promo code steak and Mike Lindell will get you all squared away. MyPillow.com forward slash steak for anything sleep related. MyStore.com forward slash steak if you want the coffee. Or you can always talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear. And the only headphones that are endorsed by the editor-in-chief of the National Pulse, Mr. Raheem Kassam, can only be found at Odyssey. If you're recording some music, getting in the studio, getting a little serious, maybe even podcasting, Noah would strongly advise against it. <laughs> Get those ear needs taken care of and done upright. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Man rubs! I had my man rubbed tri-tip the other day. My family loves it. And uh, it's delicious. Enter promo code STAKE here, getting 15% off your order. Manrubs.com is the website. They're on Facebook and Instagram as well. Don't mistreat your meat. Alan joined us today. He was sitting third chair. He's also the CEO of the My Patriot Cigar Company. They're delicious. Noah loves them. I enjoy them as well. You enter promo code STAKE at Alan's website. You're getting 15% off your order. Every order over 100 bucks. Free shipping. $10 e-gift card is included with every purchase. MyPatriotCigars.com is the website. A premium smoke. For freedom-loving patriots. And our newest partner, Farmer Bill's Beef Jerky. Enter promo code STEAK here. You're getting 5 bucks off your total order. If you put a 12-pack together, you're getting free shipping as well. Check out all their great products they've got going on down at FarmerBillsProvisions.com. Upcoming shows. May's filling up quick. But as we're getting ready to wrap April here, we'll be back on Tuesday. John Solomon, Jim Nels, and Grant Stitchfield will be here. It's going to be a great episode. Next Friday, we've got Caroline Levitt, who's the official spokeswoman for MAGA Inc. She'll be joining us, as will the president of the New York Young Republicans Club, Mr. Gavin Wax. We've got a special coming in next week as well on Monday with Raheem Kassam. It's going to be a great one. We'll kick off May with a couple congressmen. Eli Crane and George Santos are going to be here, and we're going to sit back down with Colonel Douglas McGregor. Christina Bob, Rick Grinnell, and Boris will be here on the 5th. Brian Lieb and Jim Nell so far for the 9th. 
George Santos is coming in three times in May. He's back on the on the 12th. Liz Harrington will be back as well, and so will Kenny Cody. Gavin Wax will be here on the 16th of May. So will Josh Hammer. Two more congressmen coming in on the 23rd. Mike Collins, George Santos will be here on the 23rd. Brian Lieb and Jim Nels will be back on the 26th. And we've got a lot of other dates uh, still getting ready to fill up here. Um, Friends of the Week. Got my list right here. Our Truth Social Twitch Streamer Crew. Beastie Man 420, CSM Master, Siberian Kitten, and Friends. You guys love Minecraft? You love YouTubing about it. You're also always sharing Steak for Breakfast content, as is some call me Tim79. We'll never forget him. Let's see. And then some of our uh, other accounts that were caught sharing Steak for Breakfast content this week. And and Spoopy. William S. Ultra Maga Fran. Janelle805. Doug J. Trumple Stiltskin. <laughs> nice. Jillian2205. She's an OG Steak for Breakfast enjoyer. You ready for it? Oh, 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 oh. Ghost hammer. Scissor me timbers. <laughs> uh, the real right Angie, Roxana Graham, and Tickle Tex. And then there's the meme team. Mags, Ebeth, John Hacker LA, Mostly Peaceful Memes, Dumbass Photoshop, Let's Go Brenda, Who White Memes, Right Wing Savages, and Lauren Eve. The first E is a three. Guys, thanks to remember between now and next show number one, do your own research. We're building that election fraud case right here. We don't even have to talk about stolen servers. Number two, start a podcast. Asshole. <laughs> you make me forget what number three is. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Let's start talking about American greatness again. We sure did that today with all three of our guests. Uh, the news that we talked about in between, not really so much American greatness. We don't talk about it enough. We need to start talking about it very much so again. And last but certainly not least, let's see what happens. This has been episode 232 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast, and we'll be back on Tuesday, 233. John Solomon, Jim Nels, Grant Stitchfield. On behalf of Alan, who's no longer with us, figuratively, not literally. And the rest of the pod team, I'm Roan. Noah? Later. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend, guys. Y'all take care. There's nothing more adorable, but at the same time disgusting, as a hot pink peep. The secret of many a child's headache, many a night vomiting in the toilet. But God created a reset button, a, 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 a secret, that I hope nobody will actually try because it'll end the universe as we know it. The reset button is if you take a hot pink peep and you put it into cheese queso, and if you eat it and you enjoy it, the universe as we know it blows up and a new Big Bang starts. This is true beyond Albert Einstein physics, Max Planck. This is a secret of the universe. It all started with a peep and cheese queso over 8 trillion years ago. Please don't try this at home, okay?